With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming. Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details. What's up, everybody? This is Scott Yeager here with another edition of Challenge Mania. This episode brought to you by Challenge Mania Live Nashville. This Saturday, Zanies in Nashville, Tennessee. Saturday, January the 25th. The Titans are out of the playoffs, not going to the Super Bowl, but we are still coming to party and celebrate that great run that they went on with Big Easy, Matty Bro, Kendall Shepard, Tory Hall, and maybe some surprise guests in the house as well. Go to ChallengeMania.live for tickets. We don't have any more left for the meet and greet, but we do have them left for the show itself general admission seating okay you didn't come for me you came for d so on the line right now i have a feeling it might take a little bit more than 40 seconds to knock this one out but we're gonna try mr Derek kaczynski what's up dude what's up man how's how's it going i uh, hope all is well with everybody um yeah i just feel like we're just kind of getting revved up for a new year man and uh you know we got a pretty fun guest today uh, we're going way back in time with this guy. Um, but, uh, we're on the, uh, are we releasing, releasing this today? People are probably listening to this on Tuesday as they get back to work after the long weekend, Martin Luther King weekend. Um, always a great holiday and a great thing to reflect on. But a lot of people home from work today, D Monday, and they'll be back on Tuesday. And that's when this will be up for their listening pleasure. But patrons might be getting it a little early. Well, with that said, I want to start off with a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. I know it's going to be, you know, this this man is going to be remembered all over the place today. So just like you said, I think it's important to remember, you know, what this man did uh, for for our society and our culture. Um, Here's a little quote. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. Whatever you do. You have to keep moving forward. I don't know. I think it's important, man. I I, I actually run back to this quote every every time I was uh, having trouble with my Achilles, man. I, I literally, I know the meaning is more than just running, walking, and crawling. But I literally, when I tore my Achilles, like I couldn't run, walk, or crawl, and uh, and I reflected back to that um, many times. Believe it or not. Uh, but yeah, let's go. Let's go to a guy that, you know, couldn't walk, run, or crawl at that UFC event, like you mentioned, man. Cowboy, my guy. I know a lot of people were rooting for McGregor, but I was rooting for Cowboy, man. I, I, I got a soft spot for people who have paved the way and who have fought a- around 60 times. Um, won a lot of times, this time around lost, but what'd you think of that fight? Who are you so, so it's interesting is like, you know, there's, there's an element of something being kind of unfulfilling from a lengthy entertainment standpoint. Like, you know, if you spent 60 bucks or whatever this thing costs and you're hoping to get a barn burner of a fight between I Cowboy did. Cerrone and uh, Conor McGregor, you did not get that. What you got was 40 seconds, uh, and you got, uh, Conor McGregor. 40 second beat down. 40 second beat down. And, and to be honest with you, sort of a very, like, uh, I'm, 
like not your average sort of like one punch, awesome highlight reel knockout beatdown. This was a little bit more nuanced. He uses these like shoulder shrug strikes to the head that sort of stagger cowboy to then he get right to the nose. Then he gets him with a nice kick, but none of this is probably showing up on like highlight reels till the end of time. So it's not even like you got like some awesome roundhouse wheel kick. It did feel a little bit. Um, sort of, what's the word? Anticlimactic from that point of view. But from a storyline point of view, the headline is Conor McGregor is back. He's obviously on the heels of two losses. One in the UFC to Khabib, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. One in boxing to Floyd Mayweather. And this is his return to the fold. So this was a lot like that Jose Aldo fight. You know what I mean? Not as surprising as that one because I think a lot of people thought Aldo could even beat McGregor. This one I think McGregor, they, they had him beating Cowboy, but most people had it in like the second round. And hope, we're hoping maybe we get like a one round war before that, but that is not the case. So this one was a little bit, you know, look, I'll be honest. I was there with a few friends. We were all pumped to watch it, this and that. And it was over and done with before you could even blink. Um, but look, this, you know, furthers the narrative of the Conor McGregor story and kind of brings him back into the fold as a serious contender, which I know is what the MMA world really wants is more of this guy that's the biggest star in, in the sport. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm going to have to disagree with you on the kick comment. I mean, dude, he kicked him square in the face. You know, like I like I feel like that's the, that is going to be on the, on a highlight reel and just the straight, you know, you know, 40 second beatdown. Like you can pull any of those clips, you can pull the shoulder, you can you can you can pull the shoulder bombs and put that in a clip because you don't see people get uh stunned by shoulder punches it was it was really weird um and to to watch uh cowboy not like you know flinch or react to four of them is you know I, i'm not in the ring i'm not you know it, you know i i don't I, you know it's it's hard for me to you know give like a professional opinion because i'm not in the ring but i feel like if someone is punching me from any any direction like i'm going to react i'm gonna flinch i'm gonna move so for him to get hit Four square shoulder punches in the nose to the point where they possibly broke him is is mind blowing, you know, to come from a guy like Cowboy Cerrone who looked like he didn't even deserve or he wasn't even prepared to be in the ring with this guy. I mean, I don't know if he got one. I don't I don't know if he got one swing off, you know. And it was it. So he, at the end of the fight, you know, he, he complimented those shoulder, uh, strikes and said that he had never seen anything like that. You know, the not reacting to it. Honestly, you got to think about it. Like we're watching it. So we, we can see a wide shot. We know he's hitting him with his shoulder. If you're cowboy and all of a sudden you're just feeling like, boom, I'm getting nailed in the head, but you're not even seeing this guy swing punches. You might not know where it's coming from. You might not know what you need to defend. And I think that's maybe what we saw here as far as the quality and caliber of fighter. I think that's going into this sort of the issue that some people had with this fight. A lot of people calling it a tune-up fight. A lot of people calling it sort of a fight to kind of get Connor back into the fold, which, of course, that's the exact effect that it had. Cowboy Cerrone, as much as I love the guy and as I know you love the guy, he is the sort of the fight fans fighter. He's got more bonuses than anybody because he has exciting fights. But his entire career, he's been the guy to beat everybody except the elite. You know, and he gets to the top of the pile and then he get loses to the elite or that guy right before the elite. And that's been sort of the story of his career from WEC all the way up through the 155 division now at 170. 
And like, that's who he is. And that's why he racks up so many wins. It has racked up such a storied career because he just keeps going out there and just winning enough fights to move up the card. And then boom, loses one, moves a little bit back down. And he's like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not too injured to fight again. Boom, put me out there again. He's fighting four or five times a year sometimes. Now, Connor McGregor, look. He looked, maybe he looked outmatched by Khabib. Maybe he lost to Nate Diaz when he, you know, moved up weight on a week's notice and he thought he was going to fight Rafael Dos Anjos and, and Nate caught him with the choke. Connor's an elite fighter. Whether you like him or not, whether you think that he's a hothead, whether you don't like that he punched some random guy in a bar, whether he threw, you know, a, uh, what's it called? A dolly through a glass bus window in Brooklyn and you think that's deplorable or not. And I think all the above, I would fall into that category. But as a fighter, Connor, I think is on a different level than Cowboy. And as much as their sort of paths have sort of aligned perfectly for this fight to make a little bit of sense because Connor's been on a downward track and Cerrone really has built up an impressive resume wins over the past couple years cowboy was just outmatched especially at age 36 and at this point of his career this is a fight where if you put this before the khabib fight people would say what are you doing and connor would have been a 10 to 1 favorite i think this was the perfect time to do this fight the perfect time to make it feel like it could possibly be a contest and as we saw 40 seconds in it wasn't so uh but dude cowboy's getting paid i know people are getting a lot of uh making a lot of the whole you know connor had three million guaranteed and cowboys only got 200 uh guaranteed dude he's gonna get some pay-per-view points this will be the biggest fight of his career money-wise even though he only lost in 40 seconds this is the biggest thing to ever happen in the guy's career first time he ever main evented a ufc pay-per-view in all those fights in all those years first time so even though not his finest hour not going in his highlight reel a banner day in the life of Cowboy Cerrone and a banner month and, and lead up to a fight. So glad he got to have that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then on the flip side, you know, for, for me, this whole like, you know, fight, the fight business, you know, as, as Conor McGregor called it, um, you know, I, I, for me, he lost like a lot of, a lot of points. Uh, when he went after Khabib's, uh, you know, family during the presser, uh, his religion, you know, his country. Um, like I, I just, I just felt like he went too far before that Khabib fight, you know, and then he punched the guy, the old guy. Then he, you know, th- or then he threw the dolly through the, you know, through the, uh, the, the UFC van. Like I was like, dude, how can I not root for Cowboy? A guy that's just like been respectful towards everybody who's like, you know, uh, uh, you know, who's, who's, who's just trekked his way to this main event, you know? But after watching, you know, Conor McGregor, uh, approach Cowboy, uh, from a different standpoint and kind of left all that, like, you know, nonsense, you know, behind him and sort of looking like he's going, you know, towards a, a new, uh, you know, walking like a different type of line, you know, towards these, these future fights and, and the, and the mutual respect for him. It gave me like a, a different type of respect. Uh, for Connor. So, um, you know, I, I loved the animal that he was in, in that ring, you know, like he fucking tore him up, you know? Uh, so I, for me, he won a little, a, a few more like respectful brownie points going forward. Um, and I'm excited to see him do this three or four fights this year and then see, you know, possibly see Khabib in Moscow. Um, which he's going to have to walk some sort of a respectful line towards him, uh, you know, if he's going to fight him in Moscow, you know, because, God, who knows who knows what happens, you know, if he walks in that country with the, the same attitude, uh, you know, the first time he fought him. 
Yeah, I, I do think a bit of an image rehab week for Connor and the way he treated the fight, like you said. And and look, that doesn't mean that when he look, he clearly respects Donald Cerrone for about a million reasons. And whether he you know took that into account solely or also it was because he realized, okay, look, I'm not necessarily you know I'm a little bit of a per- persona non grata at this point. Maybe I need to have one where I do it on the up and up. For whatever reason, he did treat the you know the preamble of this fight, the trash talk, very respectably. You know, uh, respectively. You saw the thing at the end with his grandma and whatnot. That doesn't mean that his next fight, if it's with a Khabib or a Justin Gaethje or someone out there that he doesn't respect as much, that he doesn't go right back into Connor twelve, you know, proper twelve mode. So um, for now, he's back on top of the <laughs> MMA mountain. Um, you know, to, to kind of do a challenge tie in here and to transition to our guests that we have today for you guys, because I know some some of our listeners appreciate it when we talk about pop culture and sports and MMA and other things that you know are tangentially related into the wacky world of the challenge. But some people just press fast forward with the quickness. So. Um, to bring it back around to the challenge, you know, we talk about how Connor went into this fight. You know, it's sort of how different cast members can treat the challenge experience. You have people who rely very heavily on the trash talk and the mental warfare and whatnot, you know. And then you have people who play the game more on the straight and narrow from a social per- point of view. And when they come out of the game, they have very few enemies. I would say, Derek, that the guest we have on the line today, who is a true OG, a three-time champ who went three for three on the challenge, is one of these guys. One of these guys who plays played his challenge career, managed his relationships a lot more like how Conor McGregor managed this one with Cerrone than, say, the last one with Khabib. So, Jamie Murray is on the show. Tell me if you disagree with that assessment with Mr. Jamie Murray, who got his debut on Real World New Orleans. He, to me, is just a, you know, a guy who attacked the challenge with the utmost integrity throughout his career. Yeah, and, you know, you kind of, when when we start off the interview, you kind of, uh, you know, I think you call him Dan Cortez or something like that. Um, that's still a little faint memory for me, too, but I think... I understand what you're saying and the calling hair, him like the, just the vibe, the like he cool had that guy. Cool, yeah, yeah he was cool, the cool yeah. guy. Yeah, he was the cool guy, man. He was Athletic the guy that without even trying, kind of guy. You know, when I when I watched him on the sh- I, what when I have glimpses of him on the show from my childhood, I was like, yeah, man, I'm gonna watch because this guy's on here. This guy's cool. You know, he's not like fighting with everyone, but like he's like athletic and you know he's getting the job done, like. Yeah, that's cool. I want to do that, you know. And uh, I kind of felt that when you were when you were kind of uh, you know opening this this conversation up. Yeah. So I mean, look, we did burn a lot of our intro here talking about the Connor Cowboy fight because to be honest with you, that's what a lot of people are talking about these days. We are in a down period of the challenge, but a lot of people are talking about the Challenge Mania Awards. Voting closes probably by the time you hear this, it's been closed. But thanks to everybody who participated, the hundreds and hundreds of votes that came in, we're going to start tabulating those and hopefully have the results for you later this week. But we thought, what a great time during this little bit of a lull in the challenge season, not only to talk about the UFC fight a little bit, but also to bring back an OG, a true OG, L to the OG, peace be the OG, Mr. Jamie Murray, who many of you guys got to meet at Challenge Mania Live in Chicago. One of the many reasons 
it's awesome to come and check out one of our live shows is that for a lot of these people, this is your only chance to interact with them. Sure, there's a lot of the younger challenge folks are out and about. They're on the social media. But the only place you're going to get to meet and chat with a Jamie Murray is at a Challenge Mania Live. We've got Challenge Mania Live Nashville coming up this Saturday. When was the last time you heard or saw Big Easy in the house? He will be in the house as well as, as I teased in the intro, D, know we got Maddie on the poster. I know we got Tori on the poster. I know we got Kendall Shepard. Tons of folks, folks excited to meet her but we might have some surprised unannounced guests in the house as well at zany's on saturday yep yep it will be a challenge filled uh room to say the least i feel like yeah this poster that craig put together obviously it's music city and uh so we're a band on this poster and uh, the band is even bigger the the poster is unbelievable it's great it's going to sell out for sure but if you do want an extra one uh email us next week if we do for some reason have a handful of extras we do put them on sale you can email challenge reading a podcast at gmail.com but the band on the poster d that's us that's who's been announced that's kendall and tori and maddie and big easy and you and myself but the band's going to be even bigger. You know what I mean? When we get there on on Saturday, there might even be some other band members there. This is going to be like a Slipknot-style, uh, Arcade Fire-size, Wu-Tang Clan-size band that we're going to have uh, on Saturday at Zany's. Uh, Tampa, Florida is our next show. We're going to take a couple months off. We'll be back on Saturday, April the 4th in Tampa at the Tampa Improv. Killa Cam Williams, that's right. She's a two-time nominee for Challenge Mania Awards this year. We'll see if she picks up any of them. But her first time on a Challenge Mania stage, Queen Cam, Killa Cam, whatever style of Cam you want, she will be at the Tampa Improv with Hunter. Nicole Ramos, who, uh, of course from the famous story of you guys partying after vendettas uh she's a lot of fun she'll be there and speaking of the ogs like jamie murray who we have on the line tonight mark long will be back with us man you guys getting sick of mark long yet i'm not i don't think it's possible mark long another chance to meet the godfather on his hall of fame tour that he's going on with us uh wrestlemania weekend in tampa and something that's really cool about this show, this one's going to remind people a little bit of Denver. So uh, something we're announcing pretty early so you guys can make your travel plans decide if you want to come down. The VIP meet and greet ticket, folks, if you purchase one of those for the show, you get to come to the after party. We're going to have one of those. I think Nicole Ramos is helping us figure out where to do that. And if you have the VIP meet and greet ticket, you're also invited on Sunday morning. We're going to do a patron brunch or D and myself, and maybe some of the guests if they're still around, but definitely D and myself will be having an intimate brunch with our Challenge Mania patrons and you. That's right. Even if you're not a patron, but you have a VIP meet greet ticket to the show the night before, you can attend our Challenge Mania Sunday brunch as well. So a weekend filled with Challenge Mania festivities, smack dab in the middle of a huge wrestling week as well in Tampa, Florida on April 4th. You're going to want to get tickets to that. Yeah, um, big shout out to Craig Marrier on that poster and, uh, wanted to give a shout out to Adam Bramson for helping me with some video stuff behind the scenes. Um, yes, you guys have seen those videos that Dee's been posting of the Challenge Mania Awards, these hype videos. That is all Mr. Bramson. He, he'll be in the house on, uh, on Saturday shooting some stuff for us in Nashville. So if you see somebody running around with a camera, say, hey, hey, Bramson, Bramson, I heard your name on the podcast. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't miss him. He's got a, he's got a full head of hair, a full head of hair. Can't miss him. Should we get to the OG of all OGs? Yes. Let's do it. Let's figure out what he's been up to. And a lot of people would wonder, Jamie Murray, what have you been up to? It's not the answer that you'd expect. 
Uh, really fun story about what Jamie Murray's yeah. been up to. Uh, head to challengemania.live for info on all of our shows, including Flagstaff, Arizona, as part of the Big Pine Comedy Festival. That is Saturday, September the 19th. I know it's a ways away, but guys, we're going to be putting tickets on sale for that show next week, Monday, the 27th of January. And as a special thank you to patrons, Challenge Mania patrons will have five days to get $10 off either ticket, VIP meet and greet, or the GA ticket. That's right. Our patrons will be receiving a special discount code. So for the first five days of the on sale, they get $10 off. Uh, a good way to maybe sign up. If you're looking to buy a ticket, maybe that's a fun way to try being a patron for a month and you basically only get to, you know, you get the maniac level for $5 because you're getting $10 off your ticket if you buy it next week. So, uh, Flagstaff, Arizona on September 19th, Dallas, Texas at the Addison Improv on August 1st. More dates going to be announced soon. All of it's at challengemania.live. So go ahead and bookmark that like it's hot. Yeah, sounds good. Oh, and we get a little political here at the end. Uh, don't hate us. We're not getting too political, but we do get into a presidential candidate that rhymes with Wang. Yes, and it's because there's a tie-in. It's not like we all of a sudden go off on a tangent. Yeah. But you'll have to listen to it's hear cool. what the tie-in is. All right, here we go. Without further ado, L to the OG, peace be the OG, Mr. Jamie Murray. Big Mac, Chicken McNuggets, no, Big Mac and Quarter Pounder with cheese, or filet fish You'd be doing the same thing if you were at McDonald's, because you can choose not just one, but two of your favorites for just six bucks. Tasty Big Mac, crispy 10-piece Chicken McNuggets, juicy Quarter Pounder with cheese, or savory filet fish Enjoy two of your all-time favorites for just six bucks, if you can decide on the two. Prices and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal, single item at regular price. With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming. Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details. James! What's up, boys? <laughs> yeah! Wow! This fucking... This is some good shit. Yes, 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 dude. So glad that you are bringing the enthusiasm because I was about to rip off, like, one of these statements. Guys, this is this is Jamie Murray. Apparently, his Skype is James, James Murray. But... This is one of the most fascinating creatures I've ever met in my entire life of living on this planet. Um, where do we start? Three-time challenge champion. He's the one of the dinosaurs of the challenge. This man has taught me about energies, the fight between good and evil. <laughs> Let's get started. Oh, I'm sorry. Scott, I know you could do a better job than that. And uh, I don't know if I should have revealed his Skype, but 
Where are we going with this? Well, I'll tell you what. doesn't matter. There's about 650 James Murrays on Skype, so good luck finding that one. Uh, but, no, we're going to leave that in as the intro. Normally, I do the intros, Jamie, but today I think Derek just nailed it. So we're going to leave that where it is and officially welcome you to the Challenge Mania podcast, which this, in addition to your appearance at Challenge Mania Live Chicago in November, are your reintroduction to the challenge world after, um, I believe, Gauntlet 2 was – in 2006. So we're talking about a 15 year gap between that appearance and this reintroduction to the challenge fold. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? What have you been up to? Thank you so much. It's an honor to be on. I really love you guys. And I had a blast at the, at the event you guys did in Chicago. Um, and, uh, dude, I love this. I did my homework. This is weird to be on a podcast where most people listening know more about the subject than I do. Um, I mean, I could talk about, obviously, the shit that happened in 06 and before, but I did do some homework. I love the new challenge. You know, these guys are hardcore, definitely fucking insane what they're up to these days. And uh, I want to watch more of this stuff. It's awesome. So, uh, but yeah, I'm freezing my ass off in Chicago. Where are you guys at? I'm, I'm in West Virginia and it is, um, I don't know. It's all right. It looks sunny out there. It's probably like 30, 40. Um, you know, we had a nice like 70, 70 degree day, you know, on Saturday. It's kind of, kind of rare. It's a little weird. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah Scott's, Scott's in New York. Um, right. yeah. And, you know, part of like, you know, this conversation, like I just wanted to, I wanted to go back, back in the day you know, from, you know, where it all began, because um, to everyone listening right now, like we're talking to a guy that has won three challenges. I believe the first three challenges ever. I mean, we're in we're in season 35 now or 34 going into 35. And you were literally on, from my understanding, one, two and three. Correct me no, if I'm wrong. That's wrong. I was cool. on three, like three, five and six or some shit. But I think uh-huh. there was like there was like two or three years like of challenges before the extreme challenge, which was I think shot in '01. Uh, so yeah, I think it started in like '97 or '98. But regardless, uh, yeah, freaking a, the extreme challenge was, uh, was 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 good times. Do they do challenges where they get on like buses and tour around anymore? I mean, a little bit, right? Um, well, here's the deal. So as far as like get on buses and tour around, um, which was sort of more like, uh, you know, the road rules approach, I feel like now what it is, is these, uh, the challenges they're doing are so sort of like the production value is so high that they're, they're pretty much staying put in one general location and bringing the action to them. So like, for instance, these last few seasons, they've been going to Africa or going to Thailand. Um, and what they do is they pretty much stay in the same house. They might take a bus to like, you know, their daily challenge or take a bus to go to a bar or get some, some chicken or something like that. But other than that, they're, they're bringing the, the sort of adventure to them. They're setting up these huge set pieces. They're rigging these huge cranes above these lakes and stuff like that. And they're looking for general locations where they can kind of make it look like 20 different places without having to really get on like a long bus ride or yeah. a plane or anything like that. So that's sort of that's the, awesome. the modern approach. 
Yeah, well, hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, let me elaborate on that a little bit. Um, so you know, in this whole this pulled podcast, I feel like we're gonna be comparing and contrasting from back in the day to now. Um, and and just to kind of give you an update, like when you say traveling with buses, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Like touring, like I I don't know exactly what you're saying. And and just based on, you know, Scott's response there, um, basically, you know, instead of looking like 20 locations, I mean, we're literally. You know, we get set up at the house and then, yeah, we may travel an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours to like to a location and do the competition there where it's like the tallest building in Australia or, you know, or it could be as weird as like the lagoon or that little like man-made lake that looks like, you know, kind of cool, you know. And we're going to go back to that one and do all our water challenges because that's where the rig is set up, you know? Um, well, yeah, this is similar to Gauntlet 2, you know? We were oh, yeah. Trinidad and went to yeah. But, like, for instance, I was watching recently, you know, in, in preparation for our, you know, chats with you and Mark uh, over in Chicago, I went and rewatched a bit of Battle of the Sexes. And, like, that final that you guys did on that show, which basically took place on one, like, I don't know, football size, football field size beach, and I think that's even being generous, um, where you and Colin and Mark, you know, had this, like, kind of ropes challenge thing, and there was a, a building blocks puzzle, and, you know, it was all said and done in, like, a couple hours, and like I said, you guys traveled maybe the length of a football field. That today would be, like, an easy daily challenge for these cats. I watched the final of the World of Worlds 2. That was a that was a 24 hour like 48 hour challenge, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, dude, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a different animal now, which is which is kind of cool. I will say this: that watching that shit, I could do that. I could fucking you you get me in shape for two months, and I could fucking knock that out, no problem. <laughs> you know. Well, it's interesting. And, our our audience. So it's funny because it's twofold. Our, I think our audience and and people today uh, appreciate the production value, appreciate how hard these finals are. However, Jamie, I think people look back on the era that you came from so fondly because of the fun that you guys seem to have, the camaraderie, the fact that that's sort sort of the like the party that everyone sort of wished they could be a part of where they were competing during the day, partying at night. And you guys were all obviously offshoots of your, your specific programs, whether it be real world road rules, these shows that everyone grew up watching and you guys really embodied MTV at the time. And the fact that, Dudes like yourself could come off as like super chill. I always, you, you always reminded me of like Dan Cortez, the uh, MTV host who used to do all the extreme stuff and host all the rock and jock stuff. You were sort of him, but on the challenge to me, like aesthetically. Oh, and well, that's, thank you. That's a nice compliment. I love Dan Cortez. And I Thanks. think that people would love to see someone like yourself compete today, because, and that's why I think people are always clamoring to have more OGs, as we call them, you know, the Mark Longs or the Jamie Murrays and, you know, even a Mike the Miz or, or who now is obviously in the WWE, but Derek's and Durrell's and stuff like that, because you come from an era where I think people looked on it a lot more fondly from like, you know, just, uh, you know, I, I want to call it like a lifestyle perspective. Now they've got the challenges down. They've got the degree of difficulty down. They've got all that stuff down but you come from an era that i think a lot of people look back on fondly and miss so hearing that you would do what they do today i think gets everybody perked up in their chair a little bit and think so you're saying there's a chance yeah else to the yeah for sure i'd love fucking Derek to be back and i'd love mark long to be back you know 
I mean, it's a fitness. That that long challenge at the end is a fitness challenge. I mean, of course, it's mind and the puzzles and the whole deal. I'm not saying it's easy. Um, but, you know, the question is, can a 42-year-old and a 45-year-old or whatever fucking knock that out? You know, there's ultra runners that are like 60 that can do 200-mile races, you know? Um, so, anyway, I think it's interesting, you know, I think it's, I think, you know, Mark actually asked about that at your last event where he's like, let's do a modified, like, four-week kind of speed challenge, whatever, you know? My thing is, I, you know, I have two babies. I don't want to be away for, from, like, kids for 10 weeks. Is it, like, filmed for 10 weeks or something? You, get, you know, give or take, give or take, yeah. uh, I'd say eight. I think they, I think they want to end at eight. You know, and like be home okay. within oh, cool. that. The the last time I made it, I, I went I went to the end. I was coming home in that ninth week. You know, so Derek, was your last time the dirty thirty? Was yes. that your last time? Okay, dude, I saw that a little bit of that. That's gnarly. That was fucking insane. What went down there? Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think I think all these finals, they're not not. We can't say all of them are like more hardcore than you know like not not all of them are as hardcore as you know the the one that we saw with uh uh it wore the world's one yeah but like, even for instance so final reckoning is the one lately that's been getting flack for not being that hard right yeah even that yeah. or say vendettas which you know had the kind of you know the multi-tiers and the card game in the middle and whatnot and ending on the puzzle even those are more complex than like what they yeah. had to do on the beach on battle of the sexes too or battle of the sexes that was like we were at a club med and we did like a fun little challenge on the beach you know I will say this, that the Extreme Challenge, which was, like, the one in 01, uh, we did push a fucking car through the desert for, like, five miles, which is actually not that big of a deal. But, you know, that was a little physical. I mean, we're talking about the evolution of a game, you know. You could argue that the NFL is gnarlier than it was back in the 80s or, you know, whatever. It's not. Um, it's not as gnarly as it was in the true. 80s. true. That is Correction. true. Yeah, you're right. They've changed the rules up, so it's not as gnarly. Um, Good point. Let's, okay. Oh, no. But he's making a great point. He's making a great point. No, yep. but, but it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, the evolution of not just the challenge, but MTV in general. And I think, you know, some of the reasons that people look so uh, back so fondly on you and the time that you spent on the challenge is by the time someone like yourself made your way onto the challenge, we had spent half a year watching you on the real world. And, you know, you were on a, a very beloved season of the real world, real world, New Orleans, the original one, a city so great they went back to it again um with some famous cast members some famous moments obviously um you had uh david with the come on be my baby tonight you had uh julie who went on to be a challenge mainstay um you had melissa of course and you guys i think you know had a really cool dynamic both on that show relationships that continued onto the challenge so before we kind of move forward onto the challenge i think what's great about having people like you on jamie is that a lot of people listening to this really would love to hear how you got picked and how you came about being on the real world. And back then, you know, it's hard to kind of go back to that place in time where TV was so important. Reality TV was so few and far between. The real world was really one of the most zeitgeisty shows there were for young people. Anyone under the age of, you know, 30, maybe even 40 was watching the real world at the time. How does someone like yourself who had the upbringing that you did that Derek had mentioned come to be on the biggest 
biggest reality show in the world at the time. Was it your idea? Was it their idea? Walk us through your casting story, as we like to call it. All right, for sure. Well, funny enough, I was, I was listening to Johnny Bananas on YouTube talk about his casting story, and he was talking about how he was dating a girl, and she was watching The Real World, and uh, he kind of was like, what the fuck? So he started watching it, and he got into it or whatever, and then he did his video in front of like Penn State's Capitol or whatever in a Scooby-Doo suit. Um, and so like he was aware of the show and did it, which I'm sure a lot of people are. Melissa was a huge fan of the show, you know, and went out. I honestly wasn't really watching the show. I swear to God, I wasn't even really hip to the show. I mean, of course, I knew Puck and shit like that. But like, um, so when they, they came to Cornell, I was at, in Ithaca, New York at the time in college. And, you know, went to a, basically had a casting call and a buddy of mine and I drank like a 12 pack of beer and waited in line and did the, that's, that's like the first round that, uh, it was ultimately a four, you know, I don't know how, I don't want to, like, everyone knows how it goes down, but it's like, yeah, you you can tell them, you can tell them. Yeah. It's basically like you start this casting and then over the course of like a few months, you might do like four interviews. And then at the time, they flew you out to L.A. I don't know if they still do that. And they do, like, yep. a final interview. Uh, and then, like, maybe three or four weeks later, they're like, yo, you're on the fucking show. Um, so I actually had graduated college in December, and I started the show in January. So strangely, it was, like, kind of perfect timing. Um, and at the time, I thought, well, so I was in college basically at the time, and, and to, to answer your question, Scott, uh, I basically did a video, like, talking about some of my interests, what I was into at the time, books I liked, whatever. I don't even know. I think, like, everyone, you know, you get this question a million times, you, Derek probably have too, is it real? Is it a doc? Like, are they filming it? Is it real? And it was really, like, you, you obviously fit a role, and I, like, fit some frat guy from Chicago fucking role. And later on, actually, interesting story, after we filmed, at the rap party, they showed the first episode, and they made me out to be a potentially racist character in the first episode, and I was so fucking pissed about it, I essentially left the rap party, and they're like, the producer comes up to me, like, don't worry, you come around, you come around, and I was like, dude, fuck it, a. Like, I don't want to be look like I come around from being a racist, you know, and how they p- played that is that I was, I'm from the north side of Chicago, and David from, was from the south side of Chicago, and it was like, ooh, is there going to be, you know, some drama and so, anyway, that was like, that was kind of, I mean, whatever, that was the end of the filming of that season. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a fun, I couldn't believe that I got cast. It was crazy. Like, it did, they kept on calling you back, and then all of a sudden they're like, can you go? And I was like, actually, I'm not doing really anything. At the time, I was like, you know, I just graduated from college, and I owned a company, a dot-com company. I thought this was going to be a great opportunity to promote it. And, of course, I was quickly, you know, aware that that didn't, wasn't going to happen. But, um. Anyway, so I don't know if that really answers the question, but I was in college at the time. No, it, it answers it. And, you know, I would love to know after filming The Real World, um, what sort of trajectory your life then took on. I mean, obviously, we know you went on to appear on The Challenge fairly shortly thereafter um, and then only did three seasons of The Challenge. But I want to know what sort of extracurricular activities you might have gotten into or, or opportunities you might have gotten from being on The Real World. Because to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, at the time, if you went on The Real World – 
you know, by extension, there were few shows that like so many people were all watching that revolved around so few people that it was sort of the equivalent of being on like a network sitcom at the time. And anyone who was sort of in high school or college or shortly thereafter probably knew who you were. Did this lead to any other opportunities? Did you do the party scene? Like where did your life go, you know, for off TV? Did you stick with the dot com thing? Did you try to do the sort of reality TV lifestyle for a while? Talk us through that few years. Sure. Uh, I did do some speeches with, like, Melissa and Julie. Uh, did the challenges. I do regret after watching, like, Derek's career and Johnny Bananas and CT and all these guys who kind of really embraced the challenges. I had this, like, attitude that was like, oh, I'm 28 and I can't do any more, whatever. It was just a different kind of time in a way. But uh, And the social media thing wasn't happening. Um, so... At the time, yeah, I stuck with this dot-com. I tried to make that dance. Uh, I owned a company called the Uber Tap, which is still, you can still buy the Uber Tap online. Uh, it's a three-hose keg tap. I did a bunch of entrepreneurial things. I actually was the, I founded the last uh, dispensary in San Francisco, pot dispensary, that then was stolen away from me by a hell's angel. Um, and that was like, you know, pretty, it would have been an amazingly lucrative business. Um but that's another story. And, um, but I didn't really go for, like, the entertainment world. You know, there's a lot of people uh, who go into acting and commercials and this, that, and the other. And I, I wasn't doing that. I was doing more businesses and kind of just, uh, you know, having some, having some good, good, interesting career. It, it was one of those careers that, w that has been very interesting in the sense of just doing a bunch of, bunch of stuff, you know. Um, like, like, I drove a semi-truck for one year across the country and, you know, in all 48 states, uh, pretty weird shit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, as far as like right after the show, it, it was like, it was crazy. Like I said, I hadn't seen the show or really watched the show. So I didn't know the power of the show. And I was living in San Francisco at the time. And from one week, you, you're, you don't, you don't get recognized the next week. Fucking it's insane, you know? And then that kind of lasted for a bunch of years. Uh, in, to a degree, and even to this day, there's some random people that somehow isn't that amazing, Derek. You probably get this a lot, where it's like people remember shit from like they'll remember shit from like the real world in New Orleans, which was in the year 2000. You know, well, you, you know, well, you, you know, what's funny to me is like kind of the opposite. It was, it was like when I int when I introduced you to Brad when we walked into uh, Challenge Mania Live and we were just kind of doing our like you know pre-show like you know, hey, what's up? He shook your hand. And just kind of like, he didn't put two and two together. You know? Right. He like said what's up to you. And then I was like, met Jamie. And then he was like, oh my gosh, it's you. So it was, um, yeah, for me, it's, for me, it's been, it's been kind of like a, you know, uh, a tornado of some sorts, you know, it's right. been like this whirlwind where it's like, uh, you know, my, you know, my recognition or notoriety is kind of, is, is, is kind of up and down. But even through and through is like people still remember that face. People still remember the voice. I remember um, I was on top of uh, uh, I took my my son uh, sledding um, to uh, Wisp here in uh, Maryland, and uh, uh, you know someone had recognized me. I got shit. I got stuff like I've I've a mask to my nose. All you could see is my eyes and hear my voice. Yeah. And someone had recognized my voice and asked me if that was me. You know. Um, so it's like it, it, it's it, it is it's it's really weird 
um, how, you know, how many, how, how many people's minds you kind of like, you, you know, you stick in their minds for. Um, sadly though, a lot of times it's for like the bad reasons, right? Like people always remember like the fucked up thing you did or like the most like, you know, the most like awkward moment you've had. You know what I mean? Um, right. you know, yeah. so it's, it's like, it's like really of all the things you remember a frog that talked to a frog. You know, because yeah. I hated everybody. Really, that's what you remember. Anyway, um, do you, you, you ever do those like bad, like the people who are on the good team and the bad team? Well, that well that that was us. No, yes, I did. Good guys versus badasses. Yep. And you're, yep. you're a badass. You're a badass. Obviously, I, I was a badass, and Johnny Bananas was a good guy. Okay. Well, what did you do that made other than being a badass, obviously, and like the gauntlets and shit like that? Were you ever mean or did some underhanded shit? Well. Well, I think, I think I actually, I got, I got, I got, I got a cool, like, I, I feel like I was that instead of being like a villain. You know what I mean? It was like bad. Instead of like being bad, I think I was actually from my, actually my gauntlet two days, you know, with you. I mean, that was like badass shit. You know what I mean? I basically told my team to go fuck themselves because they didn't want to be open about, you know, having a conversation or, or why they wanted to vote people in. They wanted to go and do it behind their people's backs. And I was right. like, I don't know you motherfuckers. I don't know you. I know exactly what you're going to do. Go fuck yourselves. You don't want to tell me to my face? Fuck you. And that right there got me put in the fucking elimination. That's, that's really funny, dude. Because that, that's actually a good form of badassery, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's, but you are, I mean, ultimately, yeah, I would label you as a badass, uh, you know, I'll, you're like, I'll go it alone, fuck it, you know? Yeah. Um, dude, amazing. But, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know where I was going with but, that. But, but I do think, I do think, Scott, I don't know if you've heard, mur- you know, I not murmurs, but every now and then, we like to toy with throwing out an idea of, like, say, an alliances season where, you know, two guys that two guys or two girls that were good friends go into, you know, this competition together. Um, for a while we were trying to pitch or we were just kind of spitting game about it. You know, what an old school versus a new school theme would look like. And I think Wes came on our podcast and just completely shot that idea down. And maybe the challenge got started. Therefore, we don't have an old school versus new school season. But something, something I saw online was a, Heroes versus villains, you know, or kind of like the epitome of good versus bad. Because I, t- t- yeah. I, I do feel like a lot of the cast members nowadays are have these like villainous bad guy could be characterized as a bad guy. And they kind of like go with the flow. They're like, yeah, I am a villain and I like it. So what? Right. And, you know, they right. sort of portray that way. So I think that, you know, something where they do like. You know, whether it's good guys versus villains or, you know, heroes versus villains. Like, I think that can actually happen and not, like, completely rub people the wrong way. And I don't think they can, like, screw it up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I love that idea. I have a question, and this is a total newbie question. Is Johnny Bananas a hero or a villain? Ooh, that's not a newbie question. That is a very existential uh, oh, sort of complicated question. question. Because Johnny Bananas <laughs> is – so, okay – Johnny Bananas is either a hero or a villain, depending on who you ask, and nothing in between. You know what I mean? He is not – so So it's like there are people out there who wake up every day and think, 
how could I possibly bash Johnny Bananas a different way today? They look, they open their computer secretly hoping that he has done something wrong that will lead to him being permanently banished from the show. They hate him. They hate what he stands for. They don't like him. They don't like the way he treats people. They're, he is their least favorite person and least favorite part of the show. Um, then there are people who just like, you know, they like rooting against him. They think it's fun when he gets voted off. They think it's fun when he loses an elimination. They don't necessarily maliciously hate the guy, but you know, they don't really want him to win. They think he's won enough. Then you have people who worship the guy. They love him. They think he's the face of the show. He's sort of maybe the last person playing from an era that they hold near and dear to their heart. Um, you know, you still have a couple people from that era playing and Wes and whatnot. But if you're a Johnny guy and not a Wes guy or a Johnny gal, and not a Wes gal, Johnny is sort of the person you're clinging on to before this thing becomes all British people and Big Brother cast members. So um, depending on who you ask, Johnny is either a hero or a villain, but nothing in between. So it's a very complicated question to ask, not a newbie question. I I I, I I I think he has too many clips right. that show him taking the girl's money, that show him throwing the challenge. All right, sure. That, sure. That, you, there's too many like you know oh, cutting let's just, let's just to not call him a villain, to not say he would be on the villain team, and it would make a great storyline as well. Coming from at some point being on the good guys team to now become a villain. It's like you have so many storylines that lead in that direction. You know? Hey, well, I mean, Derek, that idea is kind of, I mean, I think that sounds like a fantastic show if they could pull it off. That sounds like a fantastic show. I would like to talk to Scott really quickly. Scott, you about what is your perception of the generations? We talk about old school and new school, but really there's probably like six generations over the last 20 years, maybe, or maybe five. I don't know. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like I probably am in gen one, right? Could we all agree on that? Gen one. Yeah. I don't. So it's funny. Like if you want to break it down into even increments of time, you can get to six, but I think to overly simplify it, you are generation one. And what I think generation one is, is basically anyone who played predominantly in the era where it was either real world or road rules. And I think okay. there the seasons were a bit further and far between. I think we knew the cast members overall on a, like a higher average better uh, because once right. you set foot on the show, we had probably watched your whole season of real world or road rules. And I think, you know, the shows were a half hour. The shows had kind of a different vibe to them. Sure. That's generation one. Generation two to me is when they started it bringing in people uh, who didn't necessarily start on one of those shows. Um, and kind of, uh, cause what they did was they started doing a thing called fresh meat where they would kind of have runner ups who didn't make it on to say a real world show, but were in the casting pool. They would put them right on the challenge and they would populate half the cast okay. with quote unquote fresh meat. And what that did was create a lot of people that were like homegrown challenge people, you know, That's you never, so yeah. And so that to me is generation two. And that's where you get, I don't know if these names would ring true to you because you didn't necessarily pay attention, but that's where you got Kenny's and Evans and Diem's and, uh, Cara Maria and Laura and Laurel. Do any so of these CT, names? Johnny Bananas, CT, Johnny Bananas and Derek are basically in 1.5. They're like bridging the gap between the late one. And the yeah. Two. So they are kind yeah. of like, for instance, so to use a, a cross sports analogy, right? So, you know, if you look at like 
80s basketball, you have the guys who played for all of the 80s, you know, and then you have the people who were drafted in, say, 1988 or 1989, who predominantly you look at them as 90s players, but technically they were drafted in the 80s. Same thing for, like, the 90s and forward, where it's like Dirk Nowitzki is a modern-day player, but technically he was drafted in the 90s kind of a thing. So it's like, you know, Derek and Johnny Bananas played the trail in the beginning of their career with guys like you, with guys like Mark, with guys like Cyrus. But ninety percent right. of their career was with that middle ground, with those fresh meters, yeah. or with the next group. You know, yeah. so that's phase two. Um, phase three then was when they sort of phased out the real world and road rules. Mainly phased out road rules very early on, and then eventually phased out real world and started picking people from their new show called Are You and the fresh One? Meat. And fresh meat. Are what? you the one? What they phased right. out oh, fresh meat? You're saying? Well, yep. yeah, so they got rid of Fresh Meat, and what they started doing was bringing in people from a show called Are You the One, which is a dating show that sort of is a little bit like the real world in the sense that they live in a house together, but the point of the show is to find the person that casting put there to be your match. And if everyone figures out who their match was, they win, you know, half a million dollars to split or something. Um, which in a weird way, sort of like, you know, drove them to cast different people for different reasons. Now they're casting people who are pretty damn good looking. Now they're casting people who are good for a dating show and not necessarily good to just live in a house and talk about politics and race for eight weeks, you know? So basically what that also did was to the average challenge viewer, alienate them a little bit because a lot of us were like, I'm not watching that stupid show. So essentially you had all these people coming onto the challenge who we had no built in history with. And that's when the line really started to be drawn between people who you know, whether you hated Johnny Bananas or liked him, you would rather have him on the show than some guy or some right. gal you had never heard of. Um, so that was phase right. three there, and that lasted for a is few like years. Jordan, is that Jordan? Is that so? Jordan, three? Jordan is sort of from that era, but he was on the last what I call like real beloved season of the Real World. He was on Real World Portland. Um, and, oh, okay. and from there, they did a couple real world seasons that had these kind of weird twists to them. They did a real world called, uh, Explosion, where they brought halfway through the season, they brought the cast members X into the house. They had a real world skeletons oh, where God. they brought a skeleton, which could be an X, but it could be someone you hated or a best friend you lost contact with. They, uh, go big or go home. They started adding all these weird gimmicks because they felt like they had to compete with all these other reality shows that had a hook to them. And that ultimately was the demise of the real world. It kind Kind of possessed none of the qualities that we loved about it. But then, of course, we got to a period where the real world that we all knew and loved was sort of too simple for today's taste anyway. You know, they tried to bring sure. back real world this year on Facebook with real world Atlanta. Didn't really take. And I think it's because we've all moved on and we're so ADD that we do need all these twists and turns and this and that. But we don't want that you know, on our real world, we want a different game show called the circle on Netflix. And we're sort of cool with that, having all the bells and whistles. Um, but we don't like our real world like that, you know? Um, so that was, but we do like our, but we do like our Florida Bama shore, which we're now picking out of also. Yeah. So Florida Bama. So, so so now that's phase four. So the phase we're in now, phase four is what I would call it is where it's not limited to are you the one it's not limited to MTV. We're picking people from the challenge from any reality show on any network in any country, big brother, survivor, survivor, Turkey, X on the beach, um, Florida, Bama shore, people from Australia, people from the UK, people from Turkey. So it's sort of this new world where all you have to have done is appeared on TV somewhere and you can be on the challenge. And that has opened up I, the floodgates. 
Okay, and what is, what's the fans' opinions of that? Personally, that sounds very cool to me, but go ahead. What's the fans' opinion on that? Derek, what do you think? Uh, I think that uh, people, the challenge community, will always be biased to the foundation of our sport. I think right. that they would even take in like a Jamie with open arms. But the problem is, is with social media nowadays – um, and the newer generation of people that are watching the shows, they don't remember some of those guys, you know? Sure, so, sure. you know, so the reason to them is the reasons why, you know, a Johnny, a Wes, uh, a CT are, are, are so, uh, uh, um, like can do no wrong, um, is because they've been in that, you know, close to generation one, you know? Generate, you know, right. generation two, three, four, and five, or at least generation three, four, and five, you know, ever since, you know, whatever people, I mean, people start watching the shows. I'll be honest with you. Like I've heard as early as like 10, 11 years old. You know what I mean? And I'm not just saying it because my kid accidentally has to be part of my world. But I, I I get that from like you know people I meet at Challenge Mania lives and stuff like that, you know, um, yeah. you know, so it's like I think people are attracted to this competition show, you know, people these kids watch ridiculousness, you know, sure. and what's what's pretty close to ridiculous is the challenge is somewhere nearby or there's commercials, so they're attracted to these even these like stupid games where they're like doing puzzles and falling out of an airplane. You want to watch that. You want to watch that before bed. Yeah, it's fun. It's awesome. It's great. And you know what? It's like I, I think Scott, I mentioned this to you at the moment. It sounds like you said it. Shit. Yeah. It's, it's basically you guys are in a great pocket right now with this podcast because this show to me has major legs. You know, it could. I mean, it's 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 basically like this crazy ninja warrior meets like you know, drama survivor or whatever in exotic locations. It's amazing with crazy, amazing people on it, you know? I love where this thing's gone. Um, and as far as, like, oh, it, it's basically what we're talking about is something that's evolving, and the OGs, let's say, are relevant to some people who have been with it for so long, but the new group of, like, young people, they don't know who the fuck we are, which is great and fine, whatever. The question is, is what demographic, how big of the audience, and Scott and Derek, you probably know this, are, like, people that did watch it in 06? I mean, like, I play video games. I'm 42 years old, okay? I'm not just going to give up on video games because I'm 42 because I want to see where all this shit ultimately ends up going. You know, VR, all this crazy stuff that's on the horizon or here already. Um... And so, like, it's the same way, like, when, when uh, the Rolling Stones or some, like, band, like, we're going to see Motley Crue in Wrigley Field this summer, you know, there's a huge audience for that because people don't want to give up and let go of, like, the memory or the funness of the past or whatever, you know? I mean, you guys know what I'm getting at here? Yeah, well, yeah like, I, totally. I, I mean, even, like, kind of like you just mentioned, like, you know, parents are watching this this evolution that you're talking about. I've been watching this evolution since 06. And now they have kids who just so happen to be like getting ready for bed and watching this and will now be watching this show for the next 10 years, quite possibly. And they're watching it with their kids. So why, why can't like a CT or Johnny Bananas 
say, hey, I'm going to contract to do one of these shows every year, and this shit's going to get ratings, you know, and people want to <laughs> see how we grow. Again, if you can physically do this shit, if you physically can do this shit, then why the fuck would these guys stop, you know? I mean, like, it's, it's, just, it's a marketing thing. It's, are people sick of seeing you? But quite frankly, if they're not sick of seeing you, then I think, you know, you could argue why, you know, I mean, Scott, what's your thought around that? Well, I think that, you know, as far as how the fan base feels about wanting to see more OGs or wanting to see the, the newer people, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to assess from where we sit because we're sort of in this bubble, both with the podcast and with the live shows. Like, you know, when we go to Tampa, you know, on April 4th with Mark Long and Hunter and, and Cam and Nicole Ramos, you know, a lot of the people there will be there to meet Mark Long because they watched him for so many years. And then there will be people there who maybe started watching in the last five years and don't know Mark Long per se. They'll, they'll, they'll learn to love him there, but they're more interested in Cam or in Hunter. And, you know, it, it's right. one of those things where we sort of interact with both, both at these shows and on the podcast and then on social media with the, the, the biggest of the super fans. And those are people who pay the closest right. attention, who care the most about this show, who follow these people 365 days a year on social media. And chances are that level of enthusiasm comes with years and years of paying attention. It might not be 15 years. It might not be all the way back to the Jamie Murray years, but it's probably 10 years. And with that, that means that they are going to care about the rapport that they have with cast members that come from at least that second wave. And to me, the way I look at it is that with our fans and with our challenge maniacs, as we call them, we have a very high percentage of first wave fans. When we post, hey, we're having Jamie Murray on the podcast, we have a lot of people who say, awesome, dope, here's my 15 questions. You better ask this one. I've been dying to know what he thinks about Yes Duffy. I want to hear some of those stories. But there are different places we could post this where, no offense, people would say, oh, I had to Google him. I had to refresh my memory. I forgot what show he was on. And that could be someone who has watched the show for 10 years, you know. So it's one of those right. things where we live in a bubble where phase one is really important to a large percentage of our fans. I would say that to the average challenge viewer – it's phase two and more recent as far as what's important. I feel like they would really, you know, that's why when you get a person like Wes returning to the show, it means a lot, you know, because he's from right. that. He, he seems like a quote unquote OG to them, but he's really from phase two, not so much from 1998 or pre-internet, you know. Um, so right. it's kind of a loaded question there. I do think that there are certain oh. people who would tell you too many young people, too many new people. I want the history of the show. But I think there's a lot of people out there who watch the challenge and don't need it to go back further than 2012. You know, that's enough for them. That's enough history for them. That's a wide enough casting pool to pull from. And you go and bring back Anani Gonzalez, who debuted on Real World Vegas, which feels like the Stone Age to them. That's good enough for them. And that to, to us for feels sure. like it was yesterday. So that's so interesting. Yeah. Well, I will say this, that um, I, I keep on mentioning Johnny Bananas, only because Derek told me to do some homework and I was watching YouTube videos. But he was talking about that guy, Devin. Is there a guy named Devin on the show? Yep. Was there? Yeah, Devin Walker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, he was basically saying, like, he, he rides his coattails and doesn't have personality and this, that, and the other. I'm not saying he doesn't have personality. I don't know. I didn't watch or anything like that. But I will say this, that, like, personality goes a long way, right? So if people like Wes's flavor and he's introduced to the new generation, like – in theory, he could probably do a 
five more shows or something like that. You know, it's just a matter of, like, are these guys, like, are the personalities that they bring to the actual show, like, are they, like, significant? Are they fun? Are they interesting? Are they unique, you know? Above and beyond just whatever, like, playing the game. Um, and so... I don't know. I mean, I, and, and to Scott, to speak to what you just said, I do think there is a big generation that will continue to watch the show if there is a little bit of nod to, quote-unquote, the past. Even if the past is 2010, you know? That's still, you know, Gen 2. I mean, the, the, the risk that you run with this show is that it's going to come to, like, super athletes that nobody knows anything about, and they're just going to, I mean, like... You're not going to, like you said, Scott, you're not going to have any connection with the people who are on the show. You know, it's going to be like Big Brother Kazakhstan. And you're like, who the fuck is this guy? You know? Yeah. And well, and, well, here's the thing, though. The show. So, for instance, a year ago today, you would have been like, wait a minute. They're bringing in a guy from Survivor Turkey. What the fuck? Right. But then that guy goes and spends every week on your TV for half of the year. He ends up winning the season. And now Turbo is a household name in the challenge world just as much as Mark Long was, you know, when he was on. You could almost argue that the rate that the challenge is on in people's consciousness today, Turbo has a bigger place in their mind because Turbo's not only on the show every week, he's on your social media, whether it's him specifically or whether it's somebody tweeting about him, seven days a week whereas back in the day when we were watching extreme challenge you watched it and then you went back to your life totally totally yeah it's interesting it's a completely different you know completely different vibe uh and does turbo have long for that i mean is he going to be like on 10 challenges or what's your thought around well that? he's got a lot going on so turbo it's funny he's this like international superstar he's like one of the biggest celebrities in turkey he won survivor turkey he's been on a bunch of shows out there um and he's also doing a lot of international film uh acting and stuff like that as well so this is not all he does so you know i think oh. i get the feeling he wants to keep fitting it in his calendar but he came out the gate he won the first season he appeared on war of the worlds one comes back for war of the worlds two ends up leaving because of an argument he gets into um now he's like filming movies left and right so i don't think he's done on the show but i don't think he's going to be like a career challenge person like some of these people are going to be if they'll keep calling him back i just think he's got too much else going on and i think that his allegiance doesn't necessarily lie with us here in the united states so he's got other people right. to serve other fans to serve other markets to serve uh, of course where his first language best suits him as well so i mean who knows i mean he clearly has made a, as big of a dent in the challenge in one year as anyone yeah. has ever made but but it but but it's also you know and it's also a testament to like the casting process right to like the people that are casting could you imagine being like you know the casting person that was like yeah we're going with turbo we're going with the guy that's won survivor twice we're going with the guy that's uh you know one like survivor america's got talent america's got talent survivor's got ta- oh, survivor's got talent fucking uh, turkey uh, turkey's got talent <laughs> turkey's got talent um like so initially he's like you know, he's like a self-made, like, choreographed, you know, dance artist who has, like, a, a background in, like, martial arts and has also been in, like, uh, uh, like in MMA fights. You know what I mean? Like, roundhouse fucking. He's the most interesting in throat, man in the world. Them. He's sort of like right. the Dos Equis but, guy with a Turkish accent. Well, could you imagine at the beginning, like, he's in, <laughs> that, little, he's in that little tent. He's not talking to anybody, right? Like. No right. one knows anything about it, right? Like, waiting for his, like, personality to pop, right? Like, how long? And he says, like, one sentence, you know? He's like, I'd cut the dick. 
you know, and you're like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Who is this guy? He said one word, and you're like, all right, you got me engaged. I have a um, theory about Turbo, though, D. I want to ask you this question. So so Turbo ends up winning War of the Worlds 1, right? He's on the whole show. He ends up winning. And so, obviously, he's the winner of the show. You got to make him look good. You got to make him an integral part of the show itself. So we get a lot of, as you mentioned, fun commentary. We get a lot of sound effects. We get a lot of stuff like that. We get a lot of uh, visual effects, him doing the Hadouken and all that stuff. But there's an alternate universe where Turbo gets eliminated third, right? Do you think for the next season they say, oh, we got to call that guy back? Maybe not necessarily. I think he won the world over with the time he spent on the show and forcing the challenge to turn him into a character. Because there's a way where they there's an alternate universe where he gets buried in obscurity the way that, say, JP did, because they just don't have enough camera time to feature a guy who plays three weeks. Well, Scott, why did he leave? The, he got into a fight on this last challenge. An argument, yeah, a heated argument. A guy, a guy named, you know, Jordan, yeah, so Jordan basically, you know, egged him on and started kind of mocking him a little bit. And, and Turbo is very, you know, he's one of those guys, does not like to be disrespected. And when he gets heated and starts to, you know, and obviously there's a lot of security in play and whatnot, and they immediately separate them and they take Turbo to a, a secondary location and whatnot. And, you know, instead of cooling down, he continues to say stuff like, hey, if I'm in a house with this guy and he says something else, else to me i'm gonna break his legs i'm gonna kill him you know he's he's using verbiage that uh i think <laughs> with the language barrier is sounding a little bit more serious than he may or may not have meant it either way people were worried jordan was worried tory was worried production was clearly worried and so he was removed from the show uh for the verbal threats that he made and the fact that he couldn't assure them that hey if you let me back in the house i'll cool it i'll play nice i don't think the words play nicer in his vocabulary so um right. that's what it, it was sort of elective so, to be honest with you so whether whether he whether they removed him from the show or he removed himself from the show it's kind of like a gray area from our understanding you know he's gone in like you know episode by episode four or five i don't know what it was i thought it was a little bit deeper than that six seven seven episodes um yeah anyway he makes a name for himself and regardless he i think you know even before the challenge like he's still an entertainer they still asked him to do survivor turkey three times i don't know how often okay. they i don't know how often they and he almost won that one so i don't know how often they reuse their characters in turkey and survivor turkey as much as we did on the real world road rules challenge to sort of develop these storylines to build this fan base i'm not sure but i think the guy is, is now he's doing movies i i think he's he's in 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 an an entertainer like that's what he does i don't think he'll ever shy away from the challenge because i think he's constantly like I, you know i fucking dominate everything i'm at wherever i'm at you want me to do the show cool i got a bone to pick with jordan we're going into elimination elimination one with jordan please have him there this is not over like that storyline continues you know well it's I'd, like, like to see it. I'd like to see it you guys when we were in chicago at your event Someone or you or Brad or something said Turbo's the best of all time. And quite frankly, I don't think he's been around long enough for that determination to be said. I think know? you're right. I, th I, I think you're right. Um, and and then just from the last time, I mean, he gets kicked off because of a fuse that he couldn't control, you know? I mean, whatever. Yeah. I'm not, like, judging the man or anything like that. But, 
But like CT, that you know, you for instance. I, I mean, you guys have fucking done a bunch of these. That's a you know. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. We don't no. have to talk about. No, you're right. You're right because because look, the question still comes in. Okay, we've got the guy on the line here, Scott. He's three-time challenge champion, right? There are people that have never won a, a challenge at all. You know, people are just you know scraping to get that one win. People are you know pe- you know people are getting put on champs versus stars for being in finals. You know what I mean? Right. So right. you know, I, I really do want to find out like what's like the hardest shit you guys had to do back in the day because we literally have a guy like Wes coming on the podcast and saying. The ones back in the day shouldn't count. You know, I want to know why they should count. And, um, and and if you agree that maybe they shouldn't, because there's only about a handful of three-time challenge champions. And you're from, like, the first era. I'm from, like, the second era. Now we have this, like, third era where everything is, like, doubles and singles championships, you know. But that does, you never right. you never got the chance. You know, well, let's just say, let's just say to talk about Wes's point, um, like we did an event on the extreme challenge where we, the tough mudder, which is essentially like the fucking tough mudder, the Spartan race, you know, it's like the, the actually original version of all that, that they bought the rights to this thing from, uh, this dude in the UK. And I mean, that's not a 10 mile race, but it was probably like a four mile, t- it's a tough mudder basically. And, uh, you know, that's just like a challenge or whatever. That was hardcore. They rigged us up to a trebuchet once and threw fucking us through the air into a net where someone was supposed to shoot fucking paintball guns at us. I wakeboarded behind a Goodyear blimp. Uh, we did a damage control simulator where the water, like 10,000, 50,000 gallons worth of water came into a room and we had to, like, not drown or whatever. Um so, but, you know, I have watched some of the challenges. Obviously, the fucking shit has, has gotten harder over the years. But some of those challenges were, you know, they weren't like, they weren't like nothing physically, you know. Um, and then as far as all the mental challenges, there were puzzles back in the day. There was, we did a fetish fashion show in Berlin where we had to essentially, you know, get up on stage and fucking Julie Stouffer was like, was, <laughs> anyway, it was funny. Um, you know, so I think, and. It's, it is a little bit different, the magnitude. But, Derek, we did the Gauntlet 2 together. There was a lot of challenges. We were up on the fucking planks, bungee jumping off the fucking crane, whatever, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, and you had won the Gauntlet 2, you know, and I was there. And to be honest with you, that was probably the gnarly, one of the gnarliest things I had ever gone through. I mean, it was, it was probably... Um, at that time, we're talking about the Gauntlet 2, one of the cha- one of the challenges that Jamie won that I did not. Um, you know, we had 16, 16 competitions, and in between those 16 competitions, I went in every single men's gauntlet. That's five. So, and I lost. So I completed all of that, and I lost. And there are people on the other side that now have a challenge championship. I don't think that that should be taken away from you. There's a lot of fucking cool shit that we did on that on that challenge. A lot of hardcore things. I can pull the tapes. I can pull the tapes. Yeah, I don't I can't remember half the shit. I mean, um, I, I mean I do think that, you know, I, the the final for that was was kind of trash, you know. Um okay. is that is that our fault? Is that your fault? You know, those are that's that's what you're putting in front of my face. You know, are we taking 
the final reckoning championship away from Hunter and Ashley Scott because you know it wasn't you know what World of the Worlds one was. No. Well, no, well, no, because because it, it, because even then, like that was like I said, still harder than a lot of the early challenge finals. So it's you know, it, it, it's all relative. I think today you put it in between some of these more recent finals, and it stands out as being convoluted and not as difficult. But if you compare it overall, probably in the top half of difficulty. Tampa, Florida. Are you ready for the next Challenge Mania date on the calendar? That's right. No Challenge Mania lives in February. No Challenge Mania lives in March. Our next Challenge Mania live is Saturday, April the 4th at the Tampa Improv. And boy, do we have a great lineup for you that spans generations. The Godfather, Mark Long, Hunter, Brian Barfield, Killa Cam Williams, and Nicole Ramos will be in the house. Get your tickets at ChallengeMania.live. We will have a VIP meet and greet before the show. We will be having a brunch the next day we'll be having an after party if you have a vip meet and greet ticket you can come to all of it that's right a weekend filled with challenge mania entertainment in tampa florida on saturday april 4th and sunday april 5th that's right it's wrestlemania weekend in tampa we're going to be there and you should be there too go to challengemania.live today and get your tickets for our next challenge mania live show on saturday april the 4th You know, and, and ultimately, I actually was watching a lot of these recent challenges, and I know you've said, Scott, that it's so different and so much, like, the production value, the, everything, um, is, is there's a lot of differences. But ultimately, it is still a game where they give you a freaking cell phone. You're like, we're going to go this, we're going to do this, and, you are you know, you have alliances, you there's betrayals, whatever. And, um, you know, it's just a new group of people doing all that. Um and it's a trial. It's a mental and physical trial. I will say some of these gauntlets, like having to like roll around in a cage and stuff like that. And I mean, some of this is, does look exhausting. I will say that like holding, I mean, when Jordan beat that guy, uh, Paul or whatever on that like rope thing where they had to pull the rope. Oh, Josh. And, yeah, yeah. 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 That was, that was impressive. Like that, those, those are impressive. And Derek, you did a bunch of that stuff too back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, 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 here's the thing. Let's just say, for example, let's, let's look at D's, D's performance in, in War of the Worlds 2 finale, right? Like, she didn't carry the gurney the whole time as, like, it, as much as the guys did, right? The guys right. took it all the way through. The girls split it in half, right? So, um, are, you know, are you saying that, like, now the girls don't deserve that championship as much as, you know, people did, you know, five seasons ago, 10 seasons ago, you know, 13 seasons ago. You know what I mean? Like now you're rating like how much they did in during right. their time in that finale. You know what I mean? Right. Some people do more. Some people do less. Some are easier than others. But that's what's thrown on our plates back in the day. Right. Like the there was no three point line. Are you taking their championships away, Scott? Because there wasn't a three-point line. 
No, I don't think anyone takes any. You know? That's the thing about this show, and I think what everyone loves about it, and and the reason that there's such a dedicated fan base, and the reason that a podcast like ours works is that there is the through line, and you can connect the extreme challenge to War of the Worlds one. If you start splitting hairs and comparing difficulty levels, sure, you're going to have some differences here or there, you know. But the same way you can compare stats in the NBA from before they had a three point line or before you know they uh, had a shot clock and this and that, there's the through line. And although the one mistake you did make, Jamie, is that today they do not have cell phones. You do not find out what your mission is based on a text message from TJ on a sidekick. But other than that, though, it really is the same construct. You have a bunch of cool people living in a house. During the day, you compete. During the night, you you socialize. And then at the end, you're going to do an extended version of it to figure out who takes home the money. And, you know, it's being it's been varying degrees of difficulty, varying degrees of, of production value over the course of two and a half decades. But that being said, it's the same show. We're still on season 35 coming up of the same show. And that's what's awesome about talking about it. And I wouldn't take away a championship from anybody, but that's why we do things like the Challenge Mania Awards every year, and we do the Challenge Mania Hall of Fame, because there are gray areas, and it is up to you, and it is all subjective, whether you value, whether you value say, a veteran who played in a time that you just, like, is more beloved to you, but maybe wasn't as difficult or whether you like someone who just racked up stats, you know, and, and to honestly, the answer is different for different people. Right. Exactly. And ultimately, I mean, it'd be fun to see where this goes. There's going to be a gen three, gen four, whatever, you know, and, and it, you know, might not stop. I mean, it's an interesting, it's like, I like the show Amazing Race. I like. I used to do adventure races. Like before all this, the the guy Mark Burnett who created the Survivor, he cut his teeth on the Eco Challenge, which was a week long adventure race, teams of four, and he essentially truck across fucking like 500 miles of like Indonesia or some shit. Um, and you know, there's there's these things are hardcore, and it's fun to watch people in them who are are interesting people. And if they're couples and they're boning each other, that's even better, you know? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. That's the only way you're getting on these days anyway. You got to wow. be fight. You got to be fighting and fucking. They have a and saying. Fight. They say, oh. if you're not boning, casting isn't phoning. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, dude, Derek, go take your freaking girlfriend on the show and get back on this shit. <laughs> um. Yeah, anyway, next, uh, next. Alright, I wanna go, so we, we, we only have so much time with Jamie today, but you know, it's, yeah. it's funny, you said you've been, you've been catching up and watching, I think it'd be cool to, uh, to get his perspective on, if you do get a chance to really watch some of his newer stuff, I think it'd be cool to have you in the War Room, which is our, our bonus podcast, we also do, um, maybe what we do is for season 35 that's coming up, um, or season, th yeah, season 35 that's coming up. Maybe we, uh, have you on a War Room episode and break down a, a yeah. future episode of the show, get some fresh eyes on it. That'd be really cool. Um, that'd be super fun. So, that's um, yeah, I, don't, I really, I want to talk about Yes. You mentioned Yes. Yes. I really love that guy. He's a great dude. Uh, went to Burning Man with him a few times. Uh, and I don't really know what he's up to lately, but from the time that I hung out with him, he was such a great dude. Tracy and wants to know that. what your favorite memory of him is. Is it Burning Man? She wants to know. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much Burning Man. Like, he was just, um, you know, he was, he was Burning Man back in, like, the OG of Burning Man, in a way. 
Um, and yeah, he was just cruising around. It was like a, like an air force jumpsuit. And, um, you know, we had a great time out there. Um, and I, he was so generous with his friends. We all fucking hung out. It's just, uh, yeah, he, he was a cool. And he, he was, I think he's from Oakland or San Francisco. I'm not sure, but we had a great time at the Burning Man. Eric Neese was at the Burning Man with us. That was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, let's let's do like a lightning round. Is there any questions? Yeah, we have we have a ton of questions. As I mentioned, a lot of these people are people who met you at Challenge Mania Live Chicago. Uh, if anyone wants to come to a future Challenge Mania Live, you can go to challengemania.live to figure out where we're coming. Get your tickets. We'll be in Tampa on April fourth. We'll be in Dallas on August first. We got some more dates coming up for you as well. So challengemania.live for all that. Tracy wants to know. She says, "Does Jamie know the answer to this? During the Extreme Challenge in two thousand one, the episode Couple Fashion." show both teams had to dress up as famous duos in in a fetish club this episode never aired following its original air date for reasons unknown was it too extreme for tv any idea what she's talking about that's so fascinating and i swear to god you guys if you listen to this podcast i mentioned julie stouffer and i i I tried to half tell a story and it was referring to this okay uh which was I, i didn't actually know that it wasn't it didn't air that's really interesting well, Julie Stover and I did John and Lorena Bobbitt goes to the military, and we did, like, a skit where uh, basically I was in a military outfit, and she was in, I don't even know, like, a, a just like Lorena Bobbitt, whatever, who I don't know if you're, a lot of your listeners might not know, but there's this thing happened where this Lorena Bobbitt cut off John's Bobbitt's penis. And it was, if you type into Google, it's fucking some famous story from back in the day or whatever. And, uh, we did a skit where this was kind of depicted on stage. And, uh, but then we were probably a mild skit compared to some of the skits that went down. I would love to see that. We have to find that tape. That would be really fascinating. Yeah, I think what she but means yeah. is that it aired once and then, cause the challenge used to get rerun quite a bit. So I think what happened was maybe it ran once and then they oh. pulled it from like future airings. But it might have been cause of that. Cause, uh, that seems, uh, pretty, uh, a, I mean, topical at the time, but maybe that was going too far. Maybe someone else, knowing some of the people that were involved, maybe that was on the lighter end when it came to the costumes and some other people even crossed further lines, but, yeah, the Lorena Bobbitt story is something that if you're a child or adult of the 90s, you will remember uh, very freshly because it was like, you know, late night joke fodder for about two or three years. But I, obviously, if you're younger than that, you probably haven't heard about it because, you know, something like that, I don't even think would make the news these days in the sick times that we're in. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, horrible, horrible, horrible. But yeah, I would love to, that would be really fascinating because I do think we were like mild compared to some of the stuff. There was like strip, strip teases. Uh, there's definitely, you know, a lot of ass showing, uh, and it was in the Reaper bond. They, they basically took us to like the sex district of Berlin and it was a live performance, <laughs> like, an, like essentially like an improv club. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> so Lorena Bobbitt, uh, either a bit the man's penis off with her teeth or B cut it off with the knife. I think she bit it off with her teeth. Am I wrong? And then like threw it out on the street. And I then they found it? Yeah, I think that's what happened. Yeah, anyway. Okay. Um, can, yeah. Let's it's interesting through. to hear that about Julie Stouffer because she was the good girl Mormon who always did bad things. Right, yeah. Yeah. You should get Julie on this show. Yeah, I, yeah I, dude, I was cool with Julie. I was cool with Julie. Uh, You know, um, I'd love to – We people don't forget Julie. So, uh, yeah. yeah, she'd be great. You have a contact? 
no, no, I don't actually, but I could try. I don't know what, you know, whatever. Yeah. Probably you guys are better at this shit than I am. Um, um, here's a good question that'll queue up, you know, question. yeah. So Amy wants to know what's Jamie been up to since leaving MTV? Where can we follow him on social media? We were very, uh, aghast when you told us this, when, when we were sitting at dinner the day before challenge Mania live, and you told us what you've been working on recently. It's very topical, uh, these days. So why don't you tell everybody what you've been doing since the show and then specifically what you're working on now? All right, yeah. Um, I like I said earlier in the podcast, I've done a few entrepreneurial ventures. Um, you know, a bunch of different stuff along the way. Um, I was uh, most recently working for Andrew Yang, who's running for president on the Democratic side of things. Uh, I was his field director in Illinois, um, and basically, yeah, um, that's the most recent kind of thing I've been up to. Uh, got a few irons in the fire right now that, that I'm excited about. Um, but, but, um, but yeah, it's been a fun time. You know, I did do like, as you asked earlier, Scott, I did do some stuff after the real world that was kind of, you know, speaking engagements, fun stuff like that. Um, uh, I was actually on an episode of Chicago fire briefly a couple years ago. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, professionally, you know, I've had, have, have had a mostly an entrepreneurial career and uh still continue along with that but with yang can we talk about yang real quick yes, yes. I, look i'm sorry i didn't i'm sorry i didn't like mention this at the beginning i almost kind of I, I i wanted like at least like you know 15 20 minutes on this because he was not on the he was not on the democratic yeah. debate which i think it was may have been the best thing for him because people are like like who are, which one of these Democrats are we going to pick? We don't know. You know, there's no sure thing. What about freaking Andrew Yang? Um, who's trying yeah, to give a thousand exactly. bucks to free citizen? Yeah, everybody. Exactly. The DNC is pulling some shenanigans. And I will say this. You guys should do a broadcast from the Democratic National Convention in Milwaukee this summer. Because in some weird way, this thing's going to be highly entertaining. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be one of the most fascinating conventions probably in our, our living history. Cause there's not a, there's not a front runner really, you know, unless there's someone with 50% of the vote going into that convention, it's what they call a brokered convention, which means it's anybody's game. And it's going to be a version of survivor or some challenge kind of thing where people are, you know, I get to get into it, like how it all plays down, but basically no one is excited about, the DNC candidates, you know, you got an establishment guy, Biden, okay, you got Warren, who's proven to be a slightly polit- political, not really authentic character, Buttigieg, who I don't really have a solid opinion on the guy, but he's, you know, younger, not that, not that much experience, you know, whatever, and then Klobuchar, whatever, you know, Yang is interesting, but see, I will tell you this, I don't know how many young people you have listening to this show, but I'm old enough to know that the media that we think is free and, like, tells the truth in our country is not necessarily that way, okay? They, they have their agendas. And, you know, you can't deny a, a groundswell of support for a person, and so it's hard to get keep this guy down. And they've been doing it to Bernie, too. They're trying to keep him down. He has a groundswell of support, whatever. But, uh, yeah, him not being in the debates could have proven to be a good thing because people are like, why the fuck is he in it? He really- million dollars in the fourth quarter he should be in it um and he's basically i don't know if you guys have ever hit to the overton window but it's like 
the area of agreed upon dialogue in a society, like what we normally can talk about and not be labeled like crazy or that's insane or whatever. And he's, he's expanded that Overton window out with this minimum basic income thing. And it's healthy for a society to talk about other ideas and how we can pursue, you know, new ways of going about it. And so like, it'll be interesting, man. It's kind of a, I, I'm watching it as like a reality show. It's kind of interesting to watch, you know, and he's on Bill Maher tonight, which will be a good performance, hopefully. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah, Bill Maher's having him on, which is a big – Colbert had him on a couple nights ago. So he has, like, I'm paying attention to this. It's just like if you're not paying it, if you're not paying attention to the challenge world, you're not necessarily hip to what's going on. But if you're paying attention, you see a guy – I actually ran a fundraiser for him a couple years ago in Chicago. That's how I got hip to him. And, um, and at the time, 30 people showed up. Okay, and two years later, I spoke in front of 2,000 people at the UIC Pavilion uh, about Yang or whatever. So, like, we're still in, like, Gen 1.5 of this guy, and, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But, uh, dude, he has big ideas. I mean, whether if he, if he didn't know how to pay for the Freedom Dividend, I wouldn't be into the guy because I don't believe in running deficits. Like, we're already running a fucking huge deficit in this country, and it's like, it's like we're a drunken dude at a bar buying drinks for people, but we're, we're on a credit card that we can't afford, you know? So, but according <laughs> to his plan, you can actually pay for uh, giving $1,000 to every American in the country above the age of 18. Now, whether or not it actually is real, I, you know, I think maybe. But if you look at the math around this stuff, it's worth trying out. And I'll tell you this, 80% of people in this country – and it's probably not you two, and it's not me, God bless, whatever, but they're living paycheck to paycheck. A $500 bill from a busted rim from a pothole could fucking fuck their world up, you know? God forbid a fucking speeding ticket for 200 bucks, you know? And so, dude, let the fucking trickle-up economy start up. We've been talking trickle-down for the last 30 years. Trickle-up is what we want. This money that gets injected will go into Amazon, Walmart. It'll go to buy fucking school supplies and to fucking get your kids into sports and shit like you know like let's give it a whirl with this stuff these are the big ideas we need right now now if you're into trump you know like personally i'm i don't necessarily i, I don't like the man as far as his ego and his fucking attitude and he seems slightly cold-hearted but strangely enough the economy's booming we've adjusted something with china that needed to be dealt with and you know i'm not like praising trump here but i'm saying like, we have two choices in this country. We have the red and the blue. And depending if you're on the blue side of things, you might want to take a look at Yang, dude. You know? Like, hey, that's my spiel. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not going to let you stop there. I'm not going to let you stop there. So it's $1,000. He's it, It's $1,000 a month per right. person that's over 18. And he has this thing figured out. It's called the uh, Freedom Dividend Act. Is that what it is? That's what it's called, yeah, the Freedom Dividend. And it's basically a version of universal basic income where he's just trying to establish a $12,000 floor, economic floor, that nobody falls both beneath. And in theory, if you do that, there's going to be way less stress in the society. People can kind of figure out how to piece together a great lifestyle, you know, and it's, it's not like to say people are going to quit working. There might be a bunch of people that play Xbox all day and try and figure out how to live on 12 grand. I don't know. But for the s single mother who's working three jobs and busting her ass, 
like a thousand dollars extra. Maybe she only has to work one job, you know, and uh, that's a lot of people. And in a household of two, you have 24 grand to work with, you know. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the promise. Um, and quite frankly, I actually talked with them a couple of years ago. I'm like, maybe you should try like two hundred dollars a month just to get it going or whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and because like there are probably a lot of people that, you know, if you give them a thousand bucks, they'll have spent it by fucking three days from then, you know. But again, ultimately, it's being spent in the economy. Like m- money's like kind of like, you know, energy. It doesn't necessarily go away. It moves. Um, and so, even if you blow it on flat screen TVs and fucking Xbox memberships, like it's still going into the economy. And then he has a way to essentially tax corporations. Right now, Amazon, Google, uh, Apple. They're paying very little to no income tax at all. Well, that means that our tax system isn't really working the way it should. And so he's projecting this thing called a value-added tax, which is a way to tax companies and not just tax their profits, which they can use. They can show a profit in Ireland, or they can. there's ways to get around profit taxing. Um, and so that's kind of how he intends to pay for the freedom dividend is through this value-added tax So and through you know a couple other mechanisms. But... And, like, whatever. I mean, the idea is there's a better way to tax the corporations because clearly right now we're not getting anything from them. Uh, and well, he wants to end foreign wars and, you know, lower probably the military budget. We're spending way too much money on military. Um, or maybe the money's just not going in the areas it should be going to. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, the well, freedom dividend. The freedom dividend – Scott, what's your thoughts around the freedom dividend? Hold on, hold on, hold on. But 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 it, you forgot to mention one thing. It's like what what you're gonna pay what you're gonna pay for this or that. It's like, dude, health insurance is another like huge deal. You know, universal health right. insurance and stuff like that. Like people would be able to essentially pay for their health insurance with something right. like this. At the very least, you go pay for your least. health insurance. There's your universal health insurance plus whatever extra you get. You know, that's a anyway, that's a fantastic point. Yeah. You, he, he, can, he can even go, all right, listen, I'm going to give you this thousand bucks a month, but you got to pay for your health insurance. And then bam, you have universal health insurance. I don't know why that's not in the, in the, in the talks or something along those lines, but you know, he may be saying, yes, yeah, spend it on whatever <laughs> you want. But you, I mean, you get, you're going to get in trouble for not having health insurance and everyone needs health insurance. Just saying, throwing that, that out there. Anyway, go ahead, oh, Scott. Sorry. It's amazing, dude, for sure. And you know what? He has a he ultimately wants universal health care. He's like Bernie, and a lot of the Democrats are shooting for universal health care. They just have different ways of going about it. And Yang's way is actually very intelligent. Really quickly, your listeners, go to yang2020.com, and on the hamburger, the, the, the little way you access the site, just go to his policies or his issues. It's called on the issues or something. He's got more policies than any candidate at all, like ever, basically. And uh, you, you might like what he has to say. You know, he wants to do universal basic or universal health care. He's definitely on that track for sure. But yeah, Scott, what is your thoughts around you know this? Do you, do you pay attention to this stuff? You know, I I do and I don't. It's it's one of those things where the the specifics of what's the name of this uh, policy is going to get everything a thousand dollars. Say right. it again. What what is it? Uh, I forget what you guys are calling uh, it. Uh, 
Freedom dividend. Right. So the freedom dividend, you know, that's all fine and dandy, like cool. That's kind of an icing on the cake to me. It's like, do I believe in the person? You know, can I trust them? This and that. Right, like right, right. the specifics right. of executing like plans like that to me is like kind of secondary. Um, but that, look, I like what he's selling. Other than that, that's not the, the it, you know what I mean? It's not like, you know, fill in the blank could offer me a thousand bucks and I would vote for them. You know, it, it's, it's more, do I like the person? Right. And, and I do think, you know, I, I would love to hear more from him and see more from him. And I'm, um, you know, it's a shame that we don't get to based on the way that the debates are kind of structured is who gets to go out there. Um, obviously, and to me, I I was talking to someone about this and this is not politics mania, but to me, he's a fresh Uh face. He's a fresh face, which I think, which I like. Um, and I think that that is what politics needs every so often. And I think, you know, even look, I don't care what side you're on. Trump was a fresh face. Obama was a fresh face, you know, regardless of how you're looking at it. That's, I think, what won those elections for those people. I think a lot of the names we see out there on the blue side this year are old faces, old names. And that's not because they're bad names or bad faces. They've just been in the rotation for a long time, and it's not necessarily exciting. Uh, I think Yang's an exciting name and an exciting guy. And whether he becomes the president this year or not, which I don't know that the numbers are trending that way, it's exciting that he's in our in the conversation now. So, you you know, hopefully, you know, he can be a, a part of the conversation uh, going forward. And I think that, you know, he has a lot of interesting points. I look forward to seeing him on Bill Maher tonight because, uh, you know, I think that's a good show for really getting a sense of people and whether you're a fan of Bill's or not. And I am. But um, I think that platform is a great place for the guests. And I don't know if he's on the panel or if he's getting a one on one. But either way, I really do get a good snapshot of people's character on that show. And Bill does a good job of bringing in people from both sides and letting them, you know, give their you know kind of give not their spiels but give you know their two cents in a myriad of ways and by the end of the hour i think you do really kind of get a sense for someone so um i'm excited to see uh yang on there and it's good to know that you spent your time in between uh mtv and today joining a gang jamie i think that's really people have been wondering where you were and the 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 short answer is he joined a gang i'm fucking yang gang yang gang all the way to at least Milwaukee, Yang Gang. So know? and here and and here's and here's the problem is Milwaukee like uh, and and he, and here's the problem with with like these dem- democratic debates and stuff like that. It's like we don't get enough time to get to know these people. You know, I feel right. like you know you have to like Dude, go and you have to <laughs> dig and like that's cool, but but to the normal person, like how do you have the time? So if you don't like or if you're not like completely sold. On the five Democrats or the five dem- uh, presidential candidates that were on stage the other day, like, I think you go to Yang2020.com and watch him on Bill Martin and see what he has to offer. Because, and I'm not trying to sell him. I'm just saying I would be interested in, you know, someone else after watching the other, uh, the Democratic debate the other night for, I believe, three hours and not being sold on anybody or anybody giving, giving, you know, Trump a, a, a shot. You know, based on what we know he does on how he, you know, how he fights with his fire. You know, it's like you like people get back in the conversation. The debates are like they're kind of fun, whatever. But there there should be a place for debates where everyone's going head to head. Right. But there should also be programming on TV where, let's say, he sits down with Bill Maher and they do a 20 minute interview, you know, or like a candidate picks who they get interviewed by. And you have like these kind of multi-night events or whatever like they did with jeopardy you know the other night um like 
but the problem is a lot of these politicians, if they sit down, it'll be exposed that they're not completely real people, you know, and they don't like that intimacy. Like a lot of politicians don't go on Fox News or podcasts because a podcast is way too just free flowing and intimate, you know. Um, so and but Derek, to talk challenge and podcast, who could go up against Trump? You know, like that's the, the matchup you're trying to think about. And uh, you need somebody who's smart, who has, like, the ability to defend himself or herself, and uh, whatever. It's interesting. It's an interesting. Yeah. We're, we're living a reality show. I mean, Trump was a reality TV star. You know, this is crazy. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, and, and I was, you know, I don't want to get too deep into politics and, you know, my, my views on, you know, you know, how, 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 you know, how powerful I think Trump is at this point. And which Democrats can take him on head to head when this is all said and done. But after watching the Democratic debate the other day, I don't know if any of them are going to no. be able to go toe to toe with, you know, Bowser. That's fucking Bowser. And he just killed right. a terrorist, a huge terrorist on the other side and made Iran look like fools by them. You know, God bless everyone that was on that airplane, you know, sh- shot themselves. They, they literally killed their own people. You know, and yeah. made them and, and show, show that, you know, show them for who they are. Right. Anyway, let's reward um, everyone yeah. sticking with us and still listening with a, a few more challenge questions for Jamie. But, uh, check out, uh, Yang Gang online. Where, what's the, yeah. what's the info one more time, Jamie? Yang2020.com. Yang2020.com. Yang Yang 2020. Okay, cool. It's worth a, it's worth a look at, at, at someone else at the very least. Yeah. All right. And I'm not trying to sell you a guy. I'm just saying. I would like to go into the war room with you guys and talk more challenge down the road. And I really appreciate both of you for including me on this show today. Thank you. Yeah, dude. And just in case, by the way, I know we were mentioning uh, tonight, 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 uh, this might run after. So in the case that this is running Monday or Tuesday, you could probably already go watch uh, Yang on Bill Maher. If you go to HBO Go or HBO Now, it's probably up in the archives. Okay. Anthony Sanchez wants to know, Jamie, would you come back for an all champs season of the challenge. Uh, and I'll add, would you come back in general? Like if they called you, would it be a hard sell for the wife? Like talk about, uh, whether you would actually be able to take the time away from your life, from your, from your family, you know, and is it something you'd seriously consider? Definitely would consider if it was a four week, uh, commitment, if it was eight or 10 weeks, I'll have to give it a little meditation, but I'd be all about it. I'd be all about it. Super fun. Oh, and, yeah, but by the way, he's got two kids now, too. Yeah, I got two, two like, little babies, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> I, it, yeah, so anyway... Um, I love that we were basically, when we were, uh, when we were talking to the Miz, and we were all just, like, talking baby stuff. Like, we're sitting there, just oh like, you're God. talking about your kids, Miz talking about his baby when he sleeps, I'm talking about having a, at the time, it was uh, eight-month-old at home, we're just, like, a bunch of dudes standing around talking about babies. Right, exactly. And probably the lack of sleep, you know? Like, just, I'm, I'm waking up at, like, 4.35 a.m., you know, hanging out with my, my, my homie, my new homie. It'll be, he'll be on Generation 7 of the fucking challenge. Um... But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I totally go back to answer that question. Totally go back. 
Do you think you are one of the biggest challenge maniacs out there? Do you have gear from the Challenge Mania shop? Have you been to a Challenge Mania live? Do you listen to every Challenge Mania podcast? Well, if you don't have the limited edition Zombie Sailor Challenge Maniac pin, then you can't call yourself a legit Challenge Maniac. Go to zombiesailor.com today and you can get for $20, that's right, marked down to $20, a limited edition I'm a Challenge Maniac red and yellow enamel pin, all of which come on a signed card back, signed by me, but you didn't come for me. Also signed by D. So head to zombiesailor.com today and show the world that you're a challenge maniac. Uh, Anthony's got another question. He says, do you feel as though that the guys copying the girls puzzle on Battle of the Sexes final set the tone for the actual game becoming more cutthroat from a competitive standpoint? Um, so, so talk about that. You guys famously looked over, saw how they were doing their puzzle, how they had completed it. And that helped you guys end up winning that final. Uh, do you think that Ruthie was on our show and said, that's like her biggest regret in in, in the challenge world was not knocking over that puzzle. Um, do you feel like that sort of reshaped how people play the game, whether the integrity level or the strategy level and whatnot? Uh, I can't imagine that it was like, a, like you make a clear line to that, but I do think that you know it was it was definitely in the final kind of an underhanded thing, uh, or an, I should say maybe an opportunistic moment uh, in a final. So that maybe did amplify it a little bit. But I mean, Derek could speak more to this. I'm sure like underhanded stuff was popping off in the in like subsequent seasons like all the time. You know, so it's, it, I feel like the yeah. game just lends itself to that. You know. Well, when we just when we just talk about history, um, nowadays uh, people knock down. From that day on, people remember that you have to mess up your puzzles so other people don't see it. People oh, wow. now nowadays, even the challenge gods put up walls so you can't look at your partner's puzzle. You know that's you. You guys did that. <laughs> well, shit, man, the puzzle is right there. We'd be fools not to do it, right? Yep. Um, Hell yeah. Okay. I love it. I love it. By the way, I don't want to extend your podcast too long. It's it's an hour and a half. I mean, maybe these people are getting bored or something, you know. But we can, let's let's rip through these questions. Yeah, two yeah. more, and then we'll let you go. Uh, Megan Yarnell wants to know who do you still talk from? Whether who do you still talk to? Whether it be from real world New Orleans or your years on the challenge? Uh, are you still talking to Melissa? Any anybody out there that you stay in contact with on the reg? I can't say I stay in contact with anybody on the reg. But I could totally, like, text Melissa right now and be like, what up? Hope you're doing great, whatever. Uh, she's, like, I do periodically every, let's say, six months, like, touch base and, and talk with her uh, over text. Uh, but then Eric Neese I connect, I communicate with, um, who was on, like, the first Real World. Uh, I have run into David uh, in Chicago a few times. But, yeah, I'm not really um, trying David to Gentoli. David Gentoli? Uh, the Dave? guy from my cast. Yeah, David. Uh, oh, my oh God, wrong guy. Little. Wrong Dave. Sorry. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Oh, yeah, no. oh, yeah. Come on, be my baby tonight. Yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, Derek, dude, I'm pumped to, you know, reconnect with you and Mark Long and Brad Fuenza. Yeah. We've been hanging out a couple next, times. Next time I'm home, like, we'll definitely hang out. Have you got, sure. you got, you and Brad have hung out since uh, Challenge Mania Live Chicago in November? Yeah, hell yeah. He came over. We freaking, 
Yeah, we chilled. We freaking talked about it. Um, you know, I had a good old time. We're going to hopefully do some kite surfing, come some snow kiting together. Um, Whoa. You know. Yeah, dude, I love Brad. Brad is such a nice, like, I love that guy. He's so fun and, and, and just a good-hearted dude. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I love that. In life, I'm always looking for a buddy who can, like, do some crazy extreme sports stuff, and I, I don't have as many friends in that kind of, interested in that like that i'd like to and i feel like brad might be that kind of guy uh i love it a bond newly formed at challenge mania live chicago um just another reason it's cool bringing you guys together jealous i'm jealous i'm jealous (laughs) where where did he so where did you guys meet where did you guys Uh, meet he just came over he just hung out at my, my house Oh, okay, because then that's like middle be- between where I am and where he is, is is you. You're in the middle. Okay, great. Okay, cool. Yeah, Love it. Dude. Come on over. Next time you're in town, fucking definitely text and call. Let's 100%. 100%. <laughs> well, you know, maybe after Challenge Mania Live Tampa on April 4th, we'll have Cam and Nicole Ramos will be hanging out, or Mark Long and Hunter will be pen pals, uh, or maybe after Challenge Mania Live Dallas, we'll have Marlon Williams and Tina Bardo be best friends. Um, we have a lot of shows on the docket for 2020, uh, and who knows what bonds will be forged. Last question, uh, Jamie, and we will let you go. Um, here, let's pick a good one here. Um, hmm. All right. Brad. Brad says, awesome guy to talk to at the Challenge Mania Live Chicago show. Uh, his three seasons span the early years of the challenge. Did you feel the degree of difficulty getting tougher by the time you ended Gauntlet 2? Um, which some regard as the season where things began to get ramped up. So um, talk about your three-season arc and just from a degree of difficulty perspective, did you feel it getting more intense? Uh, no, I did not feel it getting more intense. It's, the intensity <laughs> level just totally, completely was like slightly different. Like you guys asked about what touring on the buses were. Well, we we had these buses with our faces on the side of it, and we did this grand tour into Canada. You know, like it was basically a tour, like a tour bus, and then we went to Europe and toured around Prague and Germany and Switzerland and stuff on a tour bus over there. And, uh, you know, like I said, they had us doing some crazy shit, like getting launched as a, in a trebuchet or whatever, uh, <laughs> which is a catapult, um, like reverse bungee where like a crane is pulling the bungee and you're bolted to the ground. And then they like unhook the bolt and you just like launch up to the top of the crane. Um, and then, you know, obviously Derek, we were in the challenge down in, uh, in Trinidad and Tobago gauntlet too. And in its own way, you know, there's a, there were some challenging moments during that challenge. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the arc really, really changed. There was nothing like recently where you're doing 48 hours of exertion, you know, which is that's, that's kind of hardcore. You definitely need to be in shape for that. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, I think the level of, like, gamesmanship and kind of interpersonal dramas and stuff, although – I, I, in hindsight, regret that I wasn't more kind of involved and connected or cared. I think, you know, I, I just didn't see the game in the same light that people like CT, Johnny Bananas, Wes, whatever, ultimately began to see the game in. Um, and so, yeah, like, for, in, in a way, like, I, I kind of wish I could come back to kind of see it in a little bit more of a gamesmanship light, um, you know. 
and I'm not saying I wasn't doing games and shit, but ultimately, I, at the time, you could win challenges by just winning fucking challenges and trying to stay out of the the gauntlet or whatever, the inferno or whatever, you know. Um, so yeah, that's the answer to that question. Awesome, uh, brother. Dude, you, real quickly, I mentioned this to you, Scott. Uh, I think it'd be fun for you guys to like just do one once a year, do like a weekend where. You get a block of hotel rooms in some place, and you just invite all of us together, and we get to hang out. We'll do a podcast. We'll do whatever, a meet and greet, you know, and uh, it's just kind of like a reunion of sorts. But you, you don't have to bill it as some grand reunion. It's just like a bunch of people who want to hang out come together. Well, know? that's what we and try to do. with These shows are kind of little mini reunions. I get what you're saying is like, right. you know, even further than that. I mean, just, you know, one of those things that we try to, you know, do is keep the, the cost down as far as, you know, bringing, you know, five, the difference between bringing five and 20 people is a little bit, you right, know. Right, right. But that being that's... said, we would love to have you back at one of these, uh, Jamie. So maybe we'll we'll talk. We'll run the calendar by uh, you. and Maybe we can get you at a, a, one of these dates. What up, D? Hey, Scott, I, may, I don't know. Maybe like rent out you know get the hotel to you know allow us to bring a couple cameras in come up with some cool pool games you know where uh you know and, and, you know do our, do our own little gauntlet style at the, at the pool like they used to do on the first gauntlet there in aruba or something like that where they're doing joust over the pool they're doing joust over the pool come on how expensive could that be and it's fun it's just fun you know uh, but if I, if you just say something i want to tell that all your fans that are listening right now I had the best time meeting everybody or a lot of people and uh, just the nicest, awesome, sweet, awesome people coming out. And it really it made me feel so good to, to be out there and meeting everybody. So and I, I appreciate Scott and Derek. Thank you so much for, for inviting me to that. Where can people find you? I know you're, you're a bit of a social media ghost. Uh, if people do want to write you or send you well wishes or let you know they enjoyed you on the podcast, do you have any active accounts? What's the story there? <laughs> uh, I, how about I give you my Yang email address? And <laughs> is, that, is that too much? You think? For do you, do you think know. that people? I mean, you want? Are you okay with getting flooded with uh, fan mail and well wishes via email? Jamie Murray, Jamie Murray, J A M I E Murray at Yang twenty twenty dot com. There you go. Uh, yeah, hit me, hit me up, hit me up, and um, but, you know, this, yeah, this is. That is I, a phase I, one I, challenger in a nutshell. Hey, where can people find you on social media? Have them email me, I think is the... Uh... <laughs> Derek is trying to get me off ghosting, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I could consider it. I could consider it. I, but, just, you know? I just tagged you. I just tagged you on my Instagram story, and I believe you have uh, 65 requests waiting to accept yeah. it or whatever it is. Oh, wow. But, but you got to post something. Post something. He's zero okay. posts. He's got like 500 followers and zero posts. Dude, I was posting back in like 06, you know? That was my era of posting. <laughs> um, well, Scott and Derek, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Have you ever wanted to know what it's like at a Challenge Mania Live? Have we not gotten a chance to come to your city or town yet? Were you unfortunately unable to join us for our last show of the year in Miami, Florida with CT, Nani, Mark, Kayla, and Josh Martinez? Well, 
you're in luck. You can now hear the full Miami live show in audio podcast form over at patreon.com slash challenge mania by becoming a maniac level patron. For $15 a month, you get all of our bonus podcasts, including the war room, the award room, our future gauntlet two breakdown, any bonus interviews we put up there. But for now, you can also get the full live show. That's right. People pay $30, $75, $100 for a ticket to this show. And you can hear the whole thing from the comfort of your own home for just $15. Head to patreon.com slash challenge mania today and go back in time with us to the sun and the fun of Miami, Florida. Challenge Mania Live. All right, there you have it, the Jamie Murray in the flesh. What'd you think? I'm just glad that, you know, he was so excited at the beginning of this. Awesome, you know, like, right? Yeah, yeah. Asking us uh, questions and shit. Yeah, you know, and we never got into the, the Buddhist monastery story. I kind of opened it up at the beginning, and I said he grew up in a Buddhist monastery. I was halfway joking, but before he went on the gauntlet, too, he was, like, training to be a a, a, a Buddhist, like a monk. But did he, he tra- grow up in one, or was it later nah, in life? it was just me fucking around saying, oh. uh, sitting, saying, let's get into this story at some point, and we never did, because I felt like we could have probably it. just kept going and going and going and so going. So I misheard you, and I thought you meant like he grew up in a Buddhist monastery, yeah. which then when he started to talk about certain things, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Why would you have MTV in a Buddhist yeah. monastery, you know what I mean, kind could of thing? You, could you imagine him being a monk, like him training to be a, yeah. with anything that he said, or however – what? Whatever he was doing. Could you see he's that? He's the kind of guy. He's so chill. I could imagine him trying it for like a couple months and then coming yeah. back and being like learning a few things but being like dude, overall not for me. Dude, before he went into the gauntlet too, they literally pulled him out of like uh, a jungle in like Thailand or something like that. You know? I don't even know how he had a phone. You know? Like next time we talk to him, hopefully we could – there will be a next time. There will be a reason. Oh, we may do a war room. Oh, with we're going to – yes, exactly. So a okay. couple things I think we're going to tr- try to involve Jamie Murray with. So we will basically – you know, obviously when the next season comes on, you guys know what we do. Every week we break down an episode of the challenge right after it airs. Jamie Murray, fresh pair of eyes, as you know, not a weekly viewer of the show. But he, he did do some some crash course and some crunching before this podcast. But we thought it would be really fun if we have him watch an episode of next season and come on the war room with us. That will be dope. But before then, because who knows when that will be. Uh, we're going to be doing a Gauntlet 2 breakdown over at Patreon, and maybe we bring in uh, Jamie for that, or at least part of it, you know? Uh, maybe we can bring in Mark for a little bit of that, too, or something like that. Add some texture to that chat about one of the most beloved seasons of the challenge, similar to what we did with the Fresh Meat podcast. We're going to be doing that over at patreon.com slash challenge mania, uh, where we do tons of bonus content during the off season and also during the season as well. So, um, yeah, can't wait to hear from him again. Can't wait to have him on another one of our live shows. Really fun guy, really chill. The energy just seems genuinely just intrigued and impressed by the challenge these days. I know he got a glimpse of it in Chicago in November. Maybe he got bit by the bug again. Went and started watching the show. I know he's really into it. So you can hear it in his voice. I mean, that was a fun conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, he's just one of those guys that could probably go into a challenge today and just socially survive for at least half, for at least, you know, a few eliminations. Just for the fact that he's not pissing people off and people are like, yeah, we could use him. He's probably got a little bit of, you know, athleticism still left in him, you know, and, you know, he could still he could still make it for a little bit. Um, But besides that, like it, it'd be cool to have his like expert analysis on whatever it is, maybe a war room in the future, whether it's a gauntlet to, you know, uh, flashback 
um, thought thoughts. You know, it's just like this guy's always been a gamer, which is why he's won. He's three for three. Um, you know, so it, it, I don't think it, it, whatever challenge we throw his way, like he's probably going to be somewhat successful in it. You know, and if it's breaking something down, I think it's, you know, it's well worth worth uh, giving him a uh, giving him an expert view. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of the expert view, we are tallying the expert votes. We got some great expert ballots that came in this year. Veronica Portillo, uh, Jemmy Carroll, Mark Long, Darrell Taylor, three Survivor cast members, a lot of podcast hosts. And they're all over the place, guys. No one, it's not, no two ballots are exactly the same. It's absolutely not such a great year to assess all the standouts we had in the challenge world. Patreon.com slash challenge mania is who's going to get the news first, but really soon we'll be announcing the winners here online, celebrating them openly with you guys. The conversation continues. Who won? Who should have won? Who do you wish you voted for? Um, it's going to be great and it's all going to be on challenge mania. Can't wait to see and party with some of you guys in Nashville. This Saturday, ChallengeMania.live for tickets to that and all of our live shows. Thank you so much to Jamie Murray. We'll be talking to him soon. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Continue to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, wherever you're getting your podcast. Make sure you follow us on there, too, subscribing so you're getting your podcast the minute they go online. Go to Facebook.com slash ChallengeManiaPodcast for added news on events and shows and discounts and free shipping and all that good stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at ShotofJaeger. On Instagram at Scott of Jaeger. Derek is at Derek MTV on all platforms, but you guys already know that. What else you got, D? Oh, congratulations to the Chiefs and the Niners going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know. I used to be a. It's, it's hard. It's hard not to be a, a, a Mahomes fan. Love him. But but the, the the child in me and seeing like Jerry Rice on the sidelines the other day reminds me back of the you know Steve Young the Steve Young days. You know. Um, you know that's that's how, who I used to root for back in the day. I just always had like 49er stuff. I don't even know where it came from. It's yeah, just, well, it's interesting. It's like those Niners, whether it was Steve Young or Joe Montana, very offense based, of course, and Jerry Rice out there. And now, uh, you know, the Niners to me are are very, you know, obviously an offensive team. You got Mostert breaking r- records last night, but yeah. but also they're just a well rounded team. You know what I mean? The defense and the, the Richard Shermans and the Bosa's, and, you know, yeah. and, and so so it's a different type of Niners sort of vibe. That they're selling but really cool um happy for them gotta be happy for jimmy garoppolo um sort of a weird poetic justice tom brady was in the super bowl last year obviously they have the early exit this year and now the heir apparent to tom brady at one point that some people felt was sort of ousted from new england by tom brady to say hey look i don't want this really young upstart behind me so you guys push me out early get rid of him trade him um now he's in the super bowl tom isn't so uh, that's pretty cool. After I think they're the first team ever. I think I, I read to uh, to make the Super Bowl a year after winning four or less games. San Francisco. So uh, crazy the turnaround that they had. And as you mentioned, Mahomes and the Chiefs. Mahomes. I mean, there's no more exciting player to watch in the NFL to me at least. Um, Andy Reid getting another crack at a Super Bowl. So that should be fun stuff. Feel bad for the Titans. Um, you know, we're coming to Tennessee. Would have been really cool to be there in between the AFC Championship and a potential Super Bowl appearance for the Titans. But I think this is still a magical run for a team that nobody thought was going to be in the AFC Championship. So um, congratulations to Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Mike Vrabel, and the Titans. Tighten up. Um, but, yeah, uh, they're, they're, uh, their season ends here, but I think way l- later than we thought. 
Yeah, I'm going to be biased towards Richard Sherman. I've been kind of watching his story ever since he tore his Achilles. You know, it's it's all, it's it's clearly a, a, a really tough injury for uh, professional athletes to, you know, play at that kind of a high level after that type of a snap in your body. Um, so, you know, t- to me, you know, Richard Sherman, although I didn't really like him that much with, you know, the way he, he approached the game and the way he's, he talked to some people. Uh, but after, you know, his comeback, I, I really was rooting for him and hoping that, you know, there are people out there that can still perform at a high level. And, you know, for a guy like this to make it to the Super Bowl, you know, even just a year later, just coming off that thing. Uh, is is so impressive to me and so inspirational to me. I'll be rooting for Richard Sherman and the and the San Francisco 49ers uh, just because of that. And then See, also I'm for the Chiefs. Great. Maybe, yeah, we, I, maybe we do a little friendly wager. Maybe we do. Maybe we do. But on the flip side, uh, you know, for the people that uh, that uh, are, are Maddie fans or, or or and even national fans, I don't know if you noticed this, but you know, on Florida Bama Shore. You know, Maddie's been this new character on Florida Bama Shore. I, I missed the last episode, but I believe that there were fireworks. There was uh, uh, some fireworks between uh, Maddie and another cast member. And, um, you know, Nashville was um, was uh, somewhere that they went back to, like just the previous episode. So if you want some nostalgia, watch Florida Bama Shore. Watch the last two or three episodes that Maddie's been in. And, uh, you know, get caught up and uh, have your questions ready for for Maddie and the gang. Yeah, going to be a really fun time. Get those questions ready. We're going to have a great Q&A at the end of the show on Saturday in Nashville. Have some really cool VIP giveaways. That's right. Something we've never done before in the house on Saturday. Um, and uh, not going to tell you what it is. I wanted to be a surprise, but we've got some cool stuff that the VIPs are going to be getting. We'll, cu- we'll keep a couple of them at the merch stand if GA wants to purchase a couple of these. But very appropriate for Tennessee on Saturday. I mentioned Chiefs fans are happy today. Niners fans are happy today. I don't necessarily have a dog in that fight, but my movie that I've been talking about all year, Deep Parasite, took home the best SAG ensemble uh, award last night. They won the best editing award on Friday, so that train is coming into the station looking like Parasite might have a chance of winning the best picture Oscar this year. I know that's not necessarily your bag, your cup of tea, but this is like my Super Bowl uh, mm-hmm. these days as the Oscars, so uh, if you haven't seen it yet, check out Parasite. It's one of yeah. the best movies I've ever seen. No, I'm I'm not that good yet. The best I got for movies right now is that uh, Ryan Lamar and Chris Jennings uh, movie Canal Street that so we I, we've been watching yeah. uh, is actually going to be on BET. Uh, finally, I think it was supposed to be on BET. Uh, you know, like a month or so ago, and something had happened where it wasn't going to show. But now I'm seeing that they're promoting, and it's going to be on January 29th. Ironically, the same day that Ms. and Mrs. come out. So I'm like, you know, and they're both on at like 10 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Uh, so I'm going to, you know, obviously. Tape uh, Ms. and Mrs. I think Mike's good with the ratings. Watch okay. Canal Street. Give them the live TV bump. Okay. You can TiVo or DVR uh, Ms. and Mrs. Canal Street is a legit film. You, you'll recognize a lot of the people in this movie. Mackay Pfeiffer is in it. Michael T. Williamson. Uh, Jamie Hector and Lance Reddick from The Wire, one of my favorite shows of all time, are in this movie. So it's a great movie. Uh, I actually saw it a, a couple years ago. I think it's maybe changed a little bit since then, but it was even brilliant when I saw it uh, at a film festival here in New York. Um, check it out and uh, go search for Canal Street maybe in your DVR. You can set it um, in case you forget by then. It's on BET. 
um, which is uh, really cool. So uh, check yeah. that out. Shouts to the team over at Canal Street uh, making uh, independent films and uh, having them make their way all the way to a massive cable network like BET. Very cool. Um, and it's a great movie with a great message. And uh, I really enjoyed it. So I, I do I do highly recommend checking that out. Yeah, we will we'll, we'll, we'll be plugging that a couple more times here before uh, January 29th for sure. All right. Yep. Thank you, guys. We'll see you in Nashville. Thanks to everybody who voted in the Challenge Mania Awards. Stay tuned for the winners. All right. Respect. All right, guys. This ends your time here on Challenge Mania. Take care of yourselves, and hopefully we'll see you in the future. The Challenge Mania shop is open. Head over to challengemania.shop today for the best way to support the podcast while looking good doing it. New designs and items added every few weeks. Maniacs, time to mobilize. Check out challengemania.shop today. Big Mac, Chicken McNuggets, no, Big Mac and Quarter Pounder with cheese, or filet fish You'd be doing the same thing if you were at McDonald's, because you can choose not just one, but two of your favorites for just six bucks. Tasty Big Mac, crispy 10-piece Chicken McNuggets, juicy Quarter Pounder with cheese, or savory filet fish Enjoy two of your all-time favorites for just six bucks, if you can decide on the two. Prices and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal, single item at regular price. With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming. Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details.